Fed up with the fact checkers constantly labeling all of your posts as misinformation, missing context, or just straight up false when you know for a fact that it's not? Well, come check me out. I'm Justin over at the Fact Check This Podcast. I cover all of the shit that the fact checkers get wrong, plus general topics of the day and a whole bunch of other fun stuff. So come check it out. Fact Check This Podcast. You won't be disappointed. Tower, taking a stand for your rights, your liberties, and all the bullshit in between. You're listening to Break the Bell Podcast. All right, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to this once again live edition of the Break the Bell Podcast. Hello, beautiful bell breakers. It is good to be here. It feels it like is. it's been forever. It has because we skipped our weekend wrap up, and I don't yes. even know that we announced that we were skipping that. We just yeah, we just I, did it. I kind of forgot to announce that. But in case you were wondering, we kind of skipped the weekend wrap up because I was on a mini vacation of sorts you this were. last weekend in the Wisconsin Dells, which is like, what would you consider the Wisconsin Dells? Like, uh. Vegas for Midwesterners, <laughs> minus minus the casinos and showgirls. Yeah, okay. That's it's, it's that's like fair. where the Midwest goes to vacation. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, it goes for a long weekend. Like, yeah, like people down south in the Southwest are like, hey, it's a long vacation, a long weekend. Let's go to Vegas. Right up here, the closest thing we have is the Wisconsin Dells. That's true. Yes, and you get to go there and. Uh, drink and yes. sit in hot tubs. I, and I, I've never been. You've never been to the Wisconsin Bells? I've never been to the Wisconsin Bells. This is my second year going with friends. They they go every year in okay. the wintertime. It's a nice winter getaway because okay. I don't like to sit in hot tubs outside in the hot. No, it just, no. I don't even like That's to sit just, in indoor hot yeah. tubs. I like it because they have like this swim out, like indoor outdoor hot tub. Oh yeah. So literally, all I do there is sit in the outdoor hot okay. tub and and drink That's usually. Perfect. And usually, uh, several like I went with a group of friends, and several of them bring kids, so they got to chase their kids around. We haven't brought our kids because I don't want to do that. <laughs> Even though my kids are old enough now, I don't have to chase them right. around. But still, yeah, I'm really glad I didn't bring my kids this year because every kid that was there and one adult who maybe you could call a kid. I don't know. But uh, the last night, last night uh, when we got back from dinner and stuff, um, well, there was an adult, and he went up to a loft. We got a big suite, and we all shared this big suite, like multi-bedrooms. Okay. And he was up in the loft, and he's like, I'm not feeling good. I'm going to go upstairs. And he's one that kind of isolates after all the – he doesn't like to hang out in the big groups right. after the okay. fact so anyway. So didn't think anything of so it. So I didn't think anything of it. I figured it was just his excuse to go right. isolate. And then <clears> – <throat> When he said he didn't feel good, um, the group decided, under the influence of alcohol, I'm sure, that it would be a good idea to order in McDonald's through like oh. Grubhub. And he was like, "Yeah, I could probably eat." I'm like, "I thought you weren't feeling good. Right. Come on, yeah." Right. You're, now, last just, thing you want to do is McDonald's. Now you're just you're making up good. excuses. Yeah, right. So, after we get our McDonald's, we're all sitting around having a few drinks, and all of a sudden, I just hear the most explosive vomiting from upstairs I've oh. ever heard. I was just like, "Oh." 
oh, he wasn't he wasn't joking. He does not feel good. And it, I mean, it I thought for sure it was going to come over the balcony onto <laughs> us. That's how explosive. I was just like, what the hell? And so um, his wife was downstairs. It's like, um, I think you need to go take care of your husband up there. And so she goes up, and it was he was obviously miserable. Yeah. And um, well, then this morning we got up, and I found out that. The three kids, all the kids, there's three kids there. There was an 18-month-old, like a, a six-year-old and a seven-year-old, and they all were throwing up over oh all night gosh. long. So I was just like, oh, my God. I'm Same glad. family? No, they're, uh, the two kids were the same. Two of the kids were one family. One kid was another family, and the adult was a completely separate oh, wow. family. Wow. And we took three cars there, and there happened to be a sick person in every oh, single car. So That would be miserable. Yeah, so that was the end of our uh, trip. We were going to yeah. hang out a little longer today, but yeah. when everybody woke up sick, we were all like, hey, let's nope. let's just go home. Nope. Let's go home before somebody else gets sick, because <laughs> exactly. the last thing we want to do is have explosive vomiting or other things right. on the three-hour drive home. So. <laughs> Made it home. I haven't got sick. My wife hasn't got sick. So okay, very good. So far, very we're good. doing good. So yes. I, I don't know if it was something that they ate or they picked up a parasite in the water park <laughs> or what. But um, apparently, there was a kid throwing up in the kiddie pool, like oh. next to it, and the mom was like catching in her hands, and the lifeguard oh. was just like, "Oh, did I get in the pool?" And she's like, "No, I don't think so." He's like, "All right, you're good." Oh. So, so water parks are disgusting, yeah, in my opinion. Yeah. So, and I would that's agree just. With that. So I, I assume they probably picked up something from. Yeah. So probably we're probably going to hear on the news like tomorrow <laughs> that there's some big old pandemic outbreak coming out right? of Wisconsin Dells, and it's like if anybody went to the Wisconsin Dells, don't go anywhere. It's like <laughs> yeah. shit. We just stay away from everybody. We just drug that across state lines. Yeah. So so wow. we could be you're, ground you're zero. You're the outbreak. Yeah, we could be uh, patient monkey. zero for yes. <laughs> this next outbreak. Beautiful. So so that's that's. Why we didn't do the weekend wrap up because we were busy drinking and having little kids throw up all over the place. So <laughs> it sounds like a party. How'd your weekend go? <laughs> it was it was good. Uh, we we are looking at uh, getting a new house, so we did nice. a lot of house looking, uh, a lot of uh, financial stuff. The house looking is always the fun part. Yeah, it it's, is. Uh, it think is. the follow up, like the the paperwork, the yeah. getting the loans, and then the moving on after that, and then right. That's when it's just like yeah. becomes reality. Like, but, wow, this isn't as fun as I yeah. thought it was going. Well, to be. I found the house I liked like right away. Yeah, it was like Thursday night, first house we saw. I was like, I love You're this like, house. Yes, let's do it. Everybody else was not convinced, so I'm like, fine, we'll look at other houses. Was it they didn't like the house, or they didn't weren't sure they wanted to leave their house? Well, that's a valid point. Yes, yeah, yes, so. we've been in our house for 17 years. Yeah, so, so that's all your kids. know. That's all the kids know. Yeah, exactly. And that's basically all you've known as a couple for right, a long, right. most of your marriage. Yes, anyway, that's true. So. This is true. So, so but. I mean, that's understandable, but but they yeah. do, they are they do kind of like the house now. Jen loves it now. My okay. wife loves it. She is ready to to get this house so not- the, the kids jen said she took the kids to lowe's and they were picking out p- paint samples like oh, they were all nice. excited They're but all then ready. when i got home Allie's like now oh, fuck your house you better not be filling out that application for that house oh that's funny i gotta i know turn your camera there was one house we saw over the weekend that the realtor took us to that had a pool Okay. And everybody was really excited about the premise of the pool, except for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you got to take care of that Exactly. Pool. I'm the one that has to take care Everybody's of the pool. Everybody's fine with a pool until exactly. you're the one who has to take care of it. Exactly. So. Reminds me of somebody we know. Yes. Yes, very so much you're so. You're starting to sound like that person more and more. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to get into the show, and this one kind of came unexpectedly. I was just looking for things to talk about yeah. because I didn't even like entertain myself with a show 
the topic until on the way home this yeah. morning. I was like, oh, oh yeah, I got a podcast right. to what do, do we tonight. What are we going to talk about? And you're like, oh, we could just talk about what's going on since we didn't do a weekend wrap up. And I'm like, that's cool. And I started finding all the shit that's going on with Russia yeah. over the last 24 hours. It seems like Russia is becoming a bigger deal than we even expected it would be, or at least right. they're saying it's going to be. Yeah. And with that, I started like unraveling threads and stuff, and I found my way down this rabbit hole of this uh, uh, yet another organization that um, I guess you could deem as part of the shadow government. Yeah, bent on world domination. Yeah, bent, <laughs> bent on controlling the direction, at least the direction of the United States, yes. and influencing foreign affairs. And this uh, group is called the, uh, God, what was it called? Uh, this. Foreign something on foreign relations. <laughs> yes, committee on foreign relations. Conve- yeah, there, there you go. Good God. Uh, yeah, and it, it's it, been a long it's funny because council, council council on foreign relations. It's funny because you know this. I, I've heard of this organization before. I like, have not, all over I've the never place. Heard of it, and I, I never thought anything of it. You know, to be honest, I thought it was like a like a group of senators that um, like you know like part like led by the secretary of state or something uh-huh. like that or or foreign secretary of you know whatever I, I didn't think anything of it and until we started looking at it and i'm like yeah. what the what the hell well i stumbled on it because i found these articles from this i found these articles i'm like who the hell wrote these articles because it's very like yeah uh basically casting rush out to be this like big bad guy that is set on just rolling over Ukraine and completely dominating them. I'm like, who the hell are these guys? I mean, yeah. this, is, this isn't this is even tiptoeing around. It's like, no, Russia is going to basically decimate Ukraine. I'm like, so I started pulling the threads and I came across this uh, uh, foreign affairs group, this uh, convention of foreign affairs. Yeah. And I'm just like, all right, who the hell is this? And we're going to get into that more later. Yes. But it seems like this is a group that has basically been the biggest influence on US foreign affairs yeah for 100 years now yeah since yeah. world war 1 yes. so um i'm just like oh this is interesting this is right up our alley of conversation yeah. so yeah. let's take a look at this and why they are talking so much about russia right now because yeah. when when you realize that this one group has basically influenced all foreign relations yeah including every single war since world war 1 and how many people are involved in it? Oh, like it's basically like every president in the last hundred years, yeah. if if not the president, at least most of their cabinet members yeah. were were connected to this group. Yeah. So uh, when you knowing that, and then seeing these people post all this shit on Russia, it's just like, hmm, I wonder what direction they're leaning on the country right. trying to go. Yeah. The and the threads to this group is insane. Yeah. I mean, there's so many rabbit holes. Um, I mean, I, I was getting lost. You had to come in and get me because I was. I was, I was like, was "Come deep. back up for breath." I was deep. Come back up. I was way deep. I was like, "We got to stay on point here," because <laughs> you're like, "Did you know that David Rockefeller's son-in-law's brother?" I'm just like, "We got to breathe, man." I I want to go with you. I yeah. want to, but not yet. Yeah, yeah. we we yeah. got a show to do, and yeah. we can't spend eight hours pulling unraveling all the threads here. Yeah. So we are going to be talking on this group which I keep forgetting the name, uh, the Council on Foreign Affairs. We're going to call them CFR because it's easier than saying sure. Council on Foreign or Council on Foreign Relations. Yes. Uh, we're going to talk about them, and we're going to talk about who they are. First, we're going to talk a little about Russia and what's going on there. Sure. And then we're going to put it all together and just go crazy with it, I guess, because yeah. that's what we like to do. Absolutely. That, that seems to be the direction we like to take it these days. Absolutely. It's just do. like, 
We used to just talk about the headlines, and now we're just like, how crazy can we go with this? Yeah, right. So, right. I don't. I still don't consider us a conspiracy or conspiracy theory poli- uh, no, podcast. I don't think so. You know, we don't really talk conspiracy theories. We talk about the shit that's actually there. Yeah, that I, people are like, I, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. But I had read like an article there. today that uh, Joe Rogan played a video on the Great Reset. Oh yeah, and was dumbfounded by it. What? Yeah. Recently? Yeah. Yeah. He's dumbfounded by it. We've been talking about this for two years. I know, I know. That's crazy. Yeah. I thought everybody was like, because once we started talking about it, it seemed like everybody That's what I started yeah, talking Glenn about Beck it. Yeah, Glenn Beck even has a book out about it yeah, this year. I think we started the trend. We did, we did. We we started the Great Reset trend. <laughs> we didn't start the Great Reset, though. <laughs> no, 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 no. So uh, we're going to get into that. Before we do, we obviously got to mention our sponsors, the official coffee of the Break the Bell podcast, the official coffee of free speech. That is Run Your Mouth Coffee. You can find them at rymcoffee.com. Order coffee. They support your rights to say whatever the hell you want without being censored, without being um, outcast from society or whatever. Being able to speak up for yourself, speak up for your values and stuff. That's Run Your Mouth Coffee, and they make delicious coffee. And who doesn't like delicious coffee? It's true. So go to rymcoffee.com. Tell them we sent you by using the promo code BREAKTHEBELL. You'll get fresh coffee delivered to your door. You'll get 10% off if you use that promo code plus free shipping delicious fresh roasted coffee straight to your door instead of having to go and get shitty coffee from the store get the good you stuff. can get good stuff right at your feet yes. at the door so uh rymcoffee.com that's all taste drink the freedom. it taste the freedom be happy or don't be happy but it's delicious what and what you know if you're not happy what's better than a cup of coffee to yeah, make you happy? right right yeah like I don't know. I can't even handle anything, any sort of any kind of drama, any conversation, <laughs> anything until it's just yes. like, nope, coffee yes. first. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Stop. Oh, oh, you have a problem? No, I don't care. Even my kids know. Don't talk to me before I've had coffee. Yeah. Uh, it's just like uh, you get up in the morning and daughter starts talking. As soon as her eyeballs open, she starts talking. It's like, shh, <laughs> coffee Stop. first, then talk. Rymcoffee.com. I think we're about ready to get in the show. Let's do it. Before we do, we got obviously we got to tell you check us out all over social media because that's where you we we spread the shit all over the place. You you like it, you subscribe to it, you share it around. Our name gets out there more. We can expose some of this bullshit that we we try to expose every week. Yeah. Um, and then we can make this a bigger and better thing. Our whole goal is to expose the bullshit for what it is. Absolutely. And. To have a voice, uh, we want to be that platform, to yeah. be that um, outlet where people can share their voices, and we can have those discussions. So share us all of our social media, take part in those discussions because we enjoy it. Absolutely. Let's get into this intro video, and when we come back, we are going to talk a little Russia, and then we're going to talk the Council on Foreign Relations. We'll be right back. What did you say? <laughs> You talking to me? What what the heck are you talking about? What did you say? What did you say? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? What did you say? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Well, maybe he was talking to me. Talk to me. What in heaven's name are you talking about? Talk to 
Jimmy, talk to me, talk to me, baby. Did you just say? What did you say? You listen to me. Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What the hell are you talking about? Who are you talking to? All right, we are back. Yes, need to be more like a that like a TV shows back in the day where they're like, and we're back. Nobody has that kind of like enthusiasm as no. they did. No, they don't. Back in the eighties, nineties, yeah. or even earlier than that. Well, before that, it was like everybody had to talk like this so oh, their yeah, their right. voices could be heard over the yeah. frequencies of the AM radio waves. But then it was like. Once bass started getting introduced in people's voices, they had to overemphasize, like, and we're back. Yeah, right, right. Or, like, the radio announcers that yeah. everybody talks like this yeah. on WGM Live Radio. <laughs> Feel the noise. Yeah, it's just like, every like, bass was introduced, and everybody's yeah. like, hey, we got to overemphasize. And if you're listening on some, like, actual system with bass, it's like, oh, God, turn that shit down. <laughs> I, I have... I had a car that had a Bose system in it, and it was like, you'd have the bass crank for the music and it'd sound good, and then the radio guy would come on with his deep, throaty bass voice, and it's just like, oh my god, that sounds like <laughs> like ass. I, so, I had this badass system that a friend built for me with the box, and like two 12s in it, Pioneer 12s, and okay. tweeters, and all this, and had like an amp and all this shit, and uh, first time I went on a date with my wife, and I, I tur- cranked the noise... And, and she broke like, up with you. <laughs> and she's like, ah! She's like, I, I thought you hit something. <laughs> well, we had a viewer, and then they left because you did that. They're like, oh, God, I can't she's do like, this. like, nope, I'm not like, doing what the, it. What the fuck is this? I, I'm sorry. Come back. Come I feel, back. Yes. I feel like the mid to later 2000s, people started to understand how they should yeah. make these things work and how the, yeah. the sounds should work. So It's good to have balance. It does. <laughs> and just talk normal on yes. them. So. We're going to get into... How did we get on that? I don't know. I don't know. We're going to talk a little Russia first, because that's where all this stuff start started. This, we're yeah. going to kind of take... I'm going to kind of take you down the direction that okay. my rabbit trail okay. fell to be okay. with. Because like I said, I first started seeing this stuff pop up on Russia. I'm just like, what the fuck? Right. And so... And I don't know how much of it's legit or how much of it's just like... Right. The U.S. trying to generate shit, or NATO, or whoever trying right. trying to push us into this war that may or may not happen, yeah. but it, but it's obviously inevitable. And January, right. what was it? February sixteenth was the date that yeah. they had predicted. Yep. That came and went. We're still not in war. Yeah, but some crazy stuff has kind of happened in the last twenty four hours. The yeah, first one I saw was this uh, report here. This is from the Daily Mail. It says, U.S. reports to the United Nation that Moscow has a list of Ukrainians to be killed or sent to camps following its military occupation. So how does the U.S. know this shit? They they have intel. (laughs) That's a vague term. (laughs) They've got the intel. Okay. And you got to trust the intel, kind of like you got to trust the science. Sure. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Phrase. So you, you trust favorites. trust the intel is going okay. going to be the new <laughs> the Beautiful. new phrase of the the rest of this year. I love it. At least going into war with Russia, or hopefully 
for them going into war. Yeah, you know, and I it's funny because I had read a, an article by a, do you know Laura Logan? Uh no. Okay, she was a reporter. She was with uh CBS, I think. Or maybe it was CNN, but she had ended up getting raped during the uh, the um, Islamic God. Spring. That just took a dark turn. I know, I know, but she, yeah, she got like raped by in during the Islamic Spring type okay. thing, and so she and and she got like torn apart by the media because of it, and so she ended up going more over to conservative. I think she was with um, I don't remember who she was with, anyways, and um, and so she ended up like breaking all ties, going to get her and and doing her own thing because she's just tired of the 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 whole media back and forth. Right. Anyways, she had reported that uh, that she thought that the the cyber attacks, the, like basically the cyber war was going to go is going on between the U.S. and Russia, where all this false information is going back and forth between the that, two of them. That's most likely true. So that, that there's nobody really knows what the hell is actually going on. That, Matt, do you know how dangerous that is? Dangerous oh, of game yes, that is? yes. Just like because uh, they talked about all these uh, reports that Russia funneled into the US ele- elections to push all this misinformation or whatever. Yeah. What what about all this misinformation that say the US is yeah. pushing into the Russian uh, news or the Russia is pushing into the US intel yeah. and stuff. I mean that that's a dangerous freaking game right Absolutely. there. Absolutely. So let's get into this article. Again, it's titled, U.S. reports to the United Nations that Moscow has lists of Ukrainians to be killed or sent to camps following a military occupation. And this came out today. Uh this came out I think so. Within the last, yeah, 21st, today. Okay, okay. First thing this morning at 12.30 in the morning. Wow. So they're on top of their shit. Says, uh, here, let me get this article pulled up. Says, Russia plans to carry out a host of human rights abuses, including targeted killings, kidnappings, tortured, torture, and forced disappearances against ethnic minorities, gays, and journalists after it invades Ukraine. We're hitting all. Yeah, checking all, all the boxes. Yes. Uh, according to a frantic letter penned to the U.N. Human Rights Commission. I want to know who penned this. Yeah, right. says, U.S. Ambassador to U.N. Bathsheba Nell Crocker dashed off a one-page uh, missive to U.N. High Commissioner Michelle Bachelet as an early warning that the war in Eastern Europe would create a human rights catastrophe. So it almost sounds like she's saying, don't go to war oh, okay. because they're going to kill our gays. <laughs> that's, that's what it sounds like. Sure. says, I would like to bring to your attention disturbing information recently obtained by the United States that indicates that human rights violations and abuses in aftermath of further invasion are being planned. Crocker wrote in an undated letter that was first reported by the Washington Post. So I'm going to read that letter, at least part of it. It says, I'm writing you with some urgency to express profound concern about the escalating situation in Ukraine. The United States is gravely concerned that a further Russian invasion of Ukraine would produce widespread human suffering in light of OHCHR's important mandate and its uh, and its reporting presence in Ukraine. We wish to share this information with you as an early warning that a further Russian invasion of Ukraine may create a human rights catastrophe. We are deeply concerned about Russia continuing human rights abuses in parts of Ukraine it already occupies and have every reason to believe that these concerns will multiply following a new military offensive. I would like to bring to your attention disturbing information recently obtained by the United States that indicates that human rights violations and abuses in aftermath of a further invasion are being planned. She doesn't say where it comes from. She just says it comes from the United States. Right, yeah. Doesn't even say that it comes from like the United States government right. or like military. It sounds sources. like some uh, New York Times journalism. <clears throat> yes, probably. These acts, which 
in past Russian operations have included targeted killings, kidnapping, forced disappearances, unjust detentions, and use of torture would likely target those who oppose Russian actions, including Russian, Belarusian dissidents in exile in Ukraine, journalists and anti-corruption activists and vulnerable populations such as religious and ethnic minorities and LGBTQI plus persons. Specifically, I have uh, credible information that indicates Russian forces are creating lists of identified Ukrainian uh, Ukrainians to be killed or sent to camps following a military occupation. We also have incredible information that Russian forces will likely use lethal measures to dispense peaceful protests or otherwise counter peaceful exercises of perceived resistance from civilian populations. So it goes on and on and on. Basically, it doesn't give any real credible anything. Well- but it does say, hey, they've done this in the past, so why wouldn't they do it again? But they are creating lists of these people. Right. And, you know, I can see that. Again, Putin is, is former KGB. Mm-hmm. You know, this is like a KGB Saturday Night Party, from what she's explaining to me. But but it's a different day now, and things are done in the shadows more. And so I, I can't see them opening you know open fire on a, a you know a peaceful protest or whatever or passing out lists of these people right exactly i mean it just doesn't make sense like no. you said that you know if anything they're going to want things more shadow covered yeah you think and again where where does this information come from where right. like, you can't just say well we got hey, credible information yeah, from a credible source that we in the us who is pushing really these things to begin yeah. with that russia already says it's all bullshit propaganda in the first place but the u.s did say this so we have to trust the intel right it goes on to say we understand carrying out its mission to work for the protection of all human rights uh for all people ohchr prioritizes addressing the most pressing human rights violations and abuses particularly those put life in that put life in in imminent peril i can't read tonight uh OHCHR plays a leadership role in the international community on human rights crises, including focusing attention on those who are most at risk and vulnerable. We share this information with you in support of our important mission. Please do not hesitate to contact us with additional information. And that's by, again, Ambassador Bathsheba Nell Crocker, a U.S. representative to the Office of the United Nations and other international organizations, Geneva. So... Gotcha. So she she's writing this letter to the UN from the United States, saying that they have information that this is what's going to happen. Yeah. To prompt the UN into taking some kind of action. Well, it's saying if or we sanctions. If, or or don't take action or don't go to war or do go, like basically to warn. Hey, if uh, this invasion happens, this is going to happen. So is it saying right. we should preemptively invade? Right. To prevent Stop that, it. or should we pull back? And to keep them from it, like, I, I don't know what her goal is here, but right. it seems like an awful lot of fear porn right, to yeah. be thrown into the situation. Right, yeah. If you're in Ukraine and you hear all this, I mean, what are you thinking? Well, sure. <laughs> Who doesn't already suspect that that possibly might happen in the first place? It's like, right. why now are you just, hey, let's throw this in there. Oh, God, they got lists. But you remember the last time Russia had lists? Mm-hmm. When they, they were had, like, hit lists out for, like, U.S., uh, uh, yeah. Military personnel in yeah. what was it Syria or something or... Um, in, in Afghanistan? Yeah, yeah, they and, had hit, they had the bounties, and it turned out to be yeah total bullshit. Thing. New York Times it was a credible source that they can't reveal. Yeah, and it turned out to be utterly yeah. blatant yeah. bullshit. And yeah. 
Yet, uh, th- I mean, this cycle and circulated through the news for a good week. Of, yeah. Oh, uh, Trump is uh, yeah. isn't doing anything about yeah, the. He knew about it and he didn't stop. He it. knew about these hit lists on American lives. Well, now right. there's hit lists on Ukrainians that we got to. Um, we really got to pay attention to. Uh, Justin is chiming hey, Justin. in. Justin, it's good to hear from you. It says, hey, guys, things aren't looking too good. Uh, Russia, Ukraine. Seems likely Russia might do something regarding the pro-Russian states in eastern Ukraine. I saw that, yeah. I'm going to talk. That is one of the topics here that got me into this is mm-hmm. the whole um, pro-Russian states in eastern Ukraine and his announcement tonight and yeah. his moving tanks into those states yeah. tonight. This is happening as we speak. Within the last half an hour, this stuff has happened. So, no, it's not looking good. And that's why we're here to discuss this. But that doesn't mean the steps we're taking haven't pushed them in that direction to begin with intentionally. And I I feel that it has. Um, This whole episode is not going to be focused just on Russia. But this is, again, you're following my train of thought on tonight. This is is Craig's train of thought. (laughs) Yes, which is scary. Hold on. The The next thing that popped up today... Today's the 21st, right? Yes. Yeah, so today, this was at 521 today, uh, Putin is ordering troops to Ukraine after he declared that like 6,500 square miles were no longer part of Ukraine. He's yeah. like, no. And I, well, this first popped up this morning. He was like, it was like, Putin's going to give a statement on whether or not he's going to um, say that these are independent states from Ukraine. Right, right. I was like, can you imagine if some one of the NATO states, countries, said, hey, we're going to give a statement on whether these Russian states here are actually part of Russia. Right, yeah. I think Russia would be a little pissed yeah, off Russia at that. Yeah, would be like, whoa, wait, what? He's like, <laughs> he's like wait, who, who gives you the right to yeah. decide that? Um, so this is updating as we speak. It updated last, like, 10 minutes ago, because the, at first this article, when I first pulled it up, was he made the statement. But now it's yeah. including him rolling in. Declaring right. that he's going to roll in troops. So this one is from the Daily Beast, which is an awesome name for it is. a website. It is. It says, Russian's President Vladimir Putin has ordered Russian peacekeeping, quote-unquote, peacekeeping troops to uh, the Kremlin regions of Luhansk and Donetsk after unilaterally declaring that the two chunks of eastern Ukraine should be considered independent states. The dramatic escalation which many fear could lead to all-out war, followed an address to the nation on Monday in which Russian president formally announced the immediate recognition of the pro-Kremlin regions of Luhansk and Donetsk, which stretch over 6,500 square miles as independent of Ukraine. So he's just like, nah, you're not Ukraine anymore. That's cool. (laughs) You guys are on our side, so you guys are your own countries. So he's not playing the game where, hey, I want to go annex these former soviet union anymore yeah. no no he's playing kind of the united states game yes he's playing our yeah. game against us he's yeah. like no i have no intention of annexing any part of ukraine but i like them because they're pro yeah. kremlin i like them they're pro- they're not part of us but they're not part of you anymore right. either exactly so we recognize them as their own countries which again if anybody were to say that to russia oh yeah yeah we'd have a little bit of a problem with it um, it says, in a decree released shortly after his speech, uh, the president ordered Russian Defense Ministry to ensure implementation of 
by the armed forces of Russian Federation of Functions to maintain peace on the territory of the, uh, the Donetsk People's Republic. Before his former formal recognition of the breakaway states, Putin had spent the better half of his address lambasting Ukraine, NATO, and the U.S. for failing to address security threats raised by the Kremlin in recent months. He baselessly accused Ukrainian forces of perpetuating genocide and blamed Kiev for any future continuation of bloodshed in those regions. Huh. So That's it's almost like all of this is just playing our game against us. Right. Like yeah. blaming Ukraine for genocide, blaming yeah. them for escalating things, yeah. blaming the U.S. for not or NATO for not keeping security in the region. Yeah, and right. By saying they're not keeping security in the region, what he's really saying is— you haven't denied Ukraine access to NATO, and that's because that's the big thing they want. Right. Yeah, they see that as a direct um, blow to security in the region. Is right. if we allow this buffer country, we talked about this weeks yeah. ago, uh, to join NATO. Goes on to say, if Ukraine was to join NATO, it'd serve as a direct threat to security of Russia. The Russian leader said. He undermined Ukraine as a country that has never had a tradition of genuine statehood, accused the U.S. of blackmailing Russia with threats of sanctions, and warned of Western efforts to try to convince us over and over again that NATO is a peace-loving and purely defensive alliance. We know the real value of such words. Though Putin did not directly address growing fears that Russia is planning to invade Ukraine, he appeared to be laying the groundwork for war by characterizing a potential Russian military offensive as an act of self-defense. Huh. Moscow has every right to take retaliatory measures uh, to ensure its own security, he said. That is exactly what we will do. The move follows a speculatory bizarre meeting by Russia's Security Council, where Putin appeared like a mob boss testing his underlings <laughs> as officials, one after another, spoke out in favor of recognizing the self-proclaimed republics. It was another grotesque spec spectacle on a day when the drumbeats of war grew deafening. The aggressive and totally unjustified territorial claim followed a series of apparent false flag operations where Russia tried to blame Ukrainian forces for a number of attacks. So... There's been these like false flags going on yeah. throughout the week. Right. One was uh, there was like an oil pipeline that blew up in right. Ukraine. Yeah. Well, uh, Biden said, as of this moment, I'm convinced uh, he's made the decision. Talking about Putin making the decision to to move in, he he was convinced that Putin blew it up. Right. Putin had made the de he's convinced he's made the decision to invade, and he has reason to believe that it could occur within the coming within coming days so yeah. soon so pipeline blew up Put, uh Putin. biden says that was definitely putin they're yeah. going to invade and now there's these other attacks that putin is saying is ukrainian sabotage um, false flags. So it's just back and forth throwing fa false flags at each other. Beautiful. Who really fucking knows which one right. is which? What yeah. What's actually going on? Right now, now, Ukraine's probably like, shit, we didn't want any of this, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, it's like, guys, again, we're caught in the middle of this. Yeah. I haven't seen Ukraine's response to I haven't, yeah. uh, Putin declaring <laughs> these states as Not independent. Yet, yeah. It's almost like they're just going to roll over anyway because well, they don't want war. So are they setting it up for like a like a human rights, like, you know, disaster where people are all of a sudden going to be flooding over from those those independent states to try to get to the Ukraine because they don't want to be under Russian rule? Or 
Vice own. versa. I, I, I don't know where this goes from here. I just know this just happened within the last like yeah. hour that he declared this. Right. Because like I said, I saw earlier this morning where he was like, I'm going to make an announcement of whether or not I'm going to right. recognize And everybody's these. like, wait, what? What? where'd this come from? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then this evening he came out and was like, yeah, I'm going to recognize them as sovereign states. And then within an hour he had ordered troops yeah. into those for peacekeeping but, measures. But like you said, that would be like, I mean, that would be like technically like him coming out and be like, you know, uh, uh, California, uh, Washington, Oregon, they, they like us, so uh, we're going to make them independent states now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, obviously, that's pretty provocative. Right, yeah, right. And that's basically what he, the Russia sees as all these former Soviet Union states that right. they were just stolen from them, and so they're just going, going to do the same thing. Right, yeah, exactly. So we got the false flags going on. We've got this list, this hit list of um, ethnic minorities and gays and reporters and journalists right. and stuff that... Uh, Russia's going to immediately disappear or kill. Right. And then Russia just recently said, you know, screw it. You guys are on, you, you are independent and you have, we have your back. Right. So technically, I guess you could say they're not annexing them, but what do you think of that? It's like, yeah. you guys are independent and we're going to put our troops there to right. make sure of it. Yeah, exactly. Do you, we don't want Ukraine to try to inflect on your freedom. That's total U.S. <laughs> you think you think it's annexing though, just with a different label? No, no. Do you I, think eventually it'll turn into? Oh well, you guys might as well just be part of us. I don't think so. No, because they have more power if they remain in, independent from each other. I mean, it gives them, you know, I mean, basically it gives them property. I mean, but it's it's like the U.S. Virgin Islands or Puerto Rico or the Philippines or you know, it it, it gives them a place where they can put troops and have mm-hmm. bases. Without them actually saying, yeah, that's us. Without necessarily having to financially right. support them. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's just them padding their, their yeah. defense around their country. Absolutely, that's yeah. that's what they want. So yeah. Um the the last and final article that is what led me down this trail was this one from Foreign Affairs is the, the name of the the source, and it says Russia's shock and awe. Why Moscow would use overwhelming force against Ukraine. And this seems very speculative. Yes. And it's very, like, extreme and, like, in your face. And yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's like making this into this huge ordeal, which it, it potentially could be. But it, it seems like they're very much like Russia is going to attack and they're going to destroy all of Ukraine. Yeah. It's just very, like... I don't know. It It's super extreme. Yeah. So this one says, Russia appears to be on the verge of launching a major military operation against Ukraine. It amassed an unprecedented number of troops on the country's border, and Russian-led forces in Donbass region in Ukraine have sharply escalated their attacks along the line of contact. Leaders of the Luhansk People's Republic and the Donetsk People's Republic, which are the two that he just claimed. So this yes. came out a while ago, a couple days ago. Um, and those are the two regions that he just decided are on their own. Interesting. So it says, uh, the breakaway regions of Ukraine that Russia has propped up since 2014 have blamed Ukraine for a series of explosions and attempted acts of sabotage, such as a supposed attack on a water treatment facility that seemed to be staged provocation. 
It appears as if Russia is engineering a pretext to invade Ukraine by conducting a false flag attack, blaming Kiev for actions Moscow in fact instigated, and alleging that the government of Ukraine poses a threat to Russian speakers in the country's east. U.S. President Joe Biden is convinced that Russian President Vladimir Putin has directed the military to move in. Despite all this evidence, Putin could still get cold feet. There is a chance that Russia ultimately opts not to launch a full-scale invasion, but if one happens, it would not look like the limited offensive Russia mounted in Ukraine in 2014 and 15. Those operations resulted in Russia's seizure of Crimea, established the separatist territories, and forced Kiev to uh, accept a ceasefire. But these campaigns were never enough to give Russia leverage over Ukrainian politics and foreign policy. Indeed, they helped push Kiev closer to the West. This time, if Russia invades, it would not constrain itself. It would use the bulk of its military resources, ground forces, air power, attack helicopters, powerful missiles, and its navy in a violent, open conflict. So I'm reading this, I'm like, how the fuck do they know all this? Yeah, right. Like, what's based on what? Because Russia hasn't... And act like enacted with that kind of force, right? Since the Soviet Union days, right? Yeah, they didn't even come out with that kind of force against Afghanistan. Yeah, so uh, it's just like, well, obviously now, in order to fulfill their agenda, they have to do these things, and they will. Says it would roll across large parts of Ukraine, not just the east, and try to seize the capital with the goal of installing a pro-Russian government. Such ambitions would require an extensive initial operation, followed by the entry of additional forces that could hold territory and secure supply lines. A war between Russia and Ukraine could prove to be incredibly destructive. Even if the initial phase were quick and decisive, the conflict could morph into a dragged-out insurgency featuring a great number of refugees and civilian casualties, especially if the war reached urban areas. The scale and potential for escalation of such a conflict are difficult to predict, but they would likely produce levels of violence unseen in Europe since the 90s when Yugoslavia tore itself apart. So what do you think? Do you think this is accurate? Do you think it's a little outlandish or I think it's a little presumptuous? Outlandish. <laughs> yeah, because Putin doesn't need to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it would be a waste of resources. So he just he doesn't need to commit everything to that. Um, so yeah, I think they're just trying to scare people. Well, so so I read all this. I'm just like, what? Because this is like unlike any other article that's kind of reported on this. Everybody's right. like, oh, he's getting ready to attack, and it would be bad. But this yeah. one like came out full oh, yeah. force, right. and it's like, yeah, he's they're coming. going to attack. He's coming swinging. They're going to use all their resources, and they're going to lay Ukraine to waste. Yeah, and install a pro-Russian government and. So they're putting it all together in one package there. All right. the things we've heard, they put yeah. it all, and it's like the script for a, a movie, yeah. like an action and, and movie. And it sounds like it's exactly where where um, Biden is getting all his information. Yeah. Well, it is, apparently, because I'm like, who the hell is foreign affairs, and why are they, I mean, are they predicting, like, you know, kind of prophetically predicting, right. like, what they, they think should happen or what and I'm just like who the hell is foreign affairs yeah and so I started looking into foreign affairs so you click on go to their homepage listen to the headlines here I'm gonna pull it up on my phone because the headlines were better this morning from them um so here's here's their most read articles what if Russia wins what Putin really wants in Ukraine 
the Putin doctrine, how to make a deal with Putin. These guys are pretty obsessed with Putin, with the war on yeah. Russia and Putin. And if Putin wins or if Putin attacks or if Putin destroys Ukraine, they seem pretty yeah. obsessed over this. I'm just yeah. like, so again, I asked myself, who the hell is foreign affairs? Right. And so all I did, I Googled. Who owns foreignaffairs.com? Because usually I'm just like, this has to be like some warmongering person or something that has like really strong financial ties in war. And so I Googled who owns foreignaffairs.com and it pops this up. The Council on Foreign Relations. It is their direct paper. Paper. Their, Their magazine is foreign affairs. It's not owned by somebody who's in the Council on Foreign Relations. No, it is their um, official magazine, is this uh, Foreign Affairs. (laughs) So that led to more questions. Right. Who the fuck are they? Who the fuck is the Council (laughs) on Foreign Relations? And at first, I just kind of read this headline, and I thought the same thing as you. I was just like this, because it it says here, a nonprofit, nonpartisan membership organization dedicated to improving and understanding of U.S. foreign policy and international affairs through free exchange of ideas. I'm like, eh, whatever. It's right. just whatever. Right. And then I'm just like, nah, I'm going to dig a little deeper on this. Because, again, I have all these questions. I'm just, right. just like, who the hell are these guys, and why are they coming at this so hard? Yeah. So I got into who this Council on Foreign Affairs is. Immediately went to Wikipedia because... That's the source. That's That's where I start all my search, just to get the official definition, I guess, says the Council on Foreign Relations, or CFR, is a United States nonprofit think tank specializing in U.S. foreign policy and international affairs. So as soon as I saw that, I'm like, these guys specialize on U.S. foreign affairs and specialize in U.S. foreign policy, and their take on this is World War III, basically, is what it sounds like. It's just like... Wow, they, I mean, they are going balls in on this thing. Yeah. And so I kept reading. It says its membership, which numbers 5,103, has included senior politicians, numerous secretaries of state, CIA directors, bankers, lawyers, professors, and senior media figures. Yeah. So, it, it, I mean, this it's hits deep. all. It's deep. Hits yeah. across the board. It hits them all. It hits all, yeah. uh, every, everything. Yeah. And it's all encompassing in this. And it's just like, dude, I just unlocked another uh, freaking rabbit hole that I didn't yeah. even know existed. Yeah. Just like this group of politicians, not just politicians. And you'd think something named the Council on Foreign Relations would be... The politicians. Well, you'd think it'd be like foreign policy specialists. Right. Yeah. Right. Like former ambassadors or, right. you know, people that have dealt... Or like... Former secretaries of defense. Right. Or, or yeah. Former or, cabinet members. Yeah, exactly. But this is a group that cabinet members are pulled from. Yeah. Like, the majority of cabinet members and secretaries of defenses, secretaries of state, came from yeah. the Council on Foreign Relations. It's not the other way around. Yeah. You think if you're the specialist on foreign relations, you'd be people that have worked in yeah. foreign relations. No, these are basically people that are trying to protect certain uh, financial interests here in the country, and they are uh, steering foreign policy in the direction that will benefit those financial gains of those big companies. And the majority of these people are are globalists. Yes, that's exactly it. And um, (laughs) their big thing is basically the 
establish a new world order, basically. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these people, they're, they're venture capitalists that, that do business and try to find um, investments overseas mm-hmm. for each other. There's a lot of like people that have been in intelligence positions. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're the head of NBC News is on the council. Uh, a I lot mean, of it's media like, what the fuck? moguls are on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this. Uh, let's let's keep going though. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. So CFR meetings convene government officials, global business leaders, and prominent members of the intelligence and foreign policy community to discuss international issues. CFR has published the bi-monthly journal Foreign Affairs, which is the article. I'm like, who the hell right. is this? Uh, since 1922, and runs. The David Rockefeller Studies Program, which influences foreign policy by making re- recommendations to the presidential administration and diplomatic community, testifying before Congress, interacting with the media, and publishing on foreign policy issues. It's a lot of power. So it's it's not just this like think tank that yeah. that like talks in their magazine about what they think or whatever. Yeah. They it specifically says there on Wikipedia's page. They influence foreign policy. Yeah. So they're the foreign policy, quote-unquote, experts. They have the ear of the president. Not only the ear of the president, but they also testify to Congress. Yes. They also interact with media and steer media yeah. perception of foreign yeah. policy. So not only are they making the decisions, but they're also making the propaganda to steer yeah. the, those decisions, to steer public public perception of those decisions. Yeah. So it's basically like the propaganda arm as well as the foreign yeah. policy, are, it's all-encompassing. Yeah, it, it's it is. crazy. It is. So it has its origins back to World War I. Uh, it says, towards the end of World War I, a working fellowship of about 150 scholars called the Inquiry was tasked to brief Wood- President Woodrow Wilson about options for the post-war for the post-war world when Germany was defeated. And I, I blame Woodrow Wilson for everything. Well, yeah, everything, country right everything completely shifted. Yeah, when he decided he put us on the world stage. Well, if you blame Woodrow Wilson for that, you have to blame this council because oh, they were the ones that came up with all that, that agenda. Yeah. You know that uh, article we talked about that was like the big agenda to push Trump out and blah, yeah. blah, blah? This is basically that group... For Woodrow Wilson, that yeah. pushed him onto the stage that yeah. we know him as for being globalist Woodrow Wilson, yes. for putting the, the U.S. on the globe stage. Right. Says the team produced more than 2,000 documents detailing and analyzing the political, economic, and social facts globally that would be helpful for Wilson in the peace talks. Their reports formed the basis for the 14 points. The one that nobody liked. The one that <laughs> nobody liked, but... Put yeah. us out on the stage and yeah. put us out in the front of the peace talks. Yeah. And, and, I mean, basically is the foundation for what the U.N. is today. Yes. Uh, these uh, It says, which outlined Wilson's strategy for peace after the war's end. These scholars then traveled to Paris Peace Conference in 1919 and participated in the discussions there. So they were part of the writing of the Treaty of Versailles. They were part of writing the 14 points. They were part of all yeah. of that, which got us to the power position that we ended up in after yeah. World War One Says the members, I'm scrolling down, I can't read all of this. The members were proponents of Wilson's internationalism, but were particularly concerned about the effect that the war and the treaty of peace might have on post-war business. There it is. Yep. Has nothing to do with, hey, we got to live in a peaceful society. It's how is our business yeah. 
going to be affected by this? Because this is you're talking like big bankers. Oh, absolutely. you're talking like J.P. Morgan. Yeah, J.P. Morgan was one of the biggest ones yeah. at the time, and then Rockefeller kind of took Morgan over Stanley, later. Yeah, later. Yeah. So it says the scholars from the inquiry saw an opportunity to create an organization that brought diplomats, high-level government officials, and academics together with lawyers, bankers, and industrialists to engineer government policy. So if you think it's a conspiracy theory that there is this group of people that wants to like, be the shadow government, yeah. it's right here on their fucking Wikipedia page. Their <laughs> right. goal was to engineer government policy. Yeah. And it's not to benefit humanity. It's to no. benefit their business and their, their companies line. and their pocketbooks. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the whole uh, oligarch yeah. scenarios came from here. This is when that all started. That's yeah. when, like, the World Bank started to become a thing. This is when, like, um, like international policies started to be, like, it yeah. all came yeah. out of this. Yep. On July 29, 1921, they filed a certification of incorporation officially forming the Council on Foreign Relations. Um, let's move on down. It says, using funds, the first issue of Foreign Affairs, which again was that resource that I found to be, begin with, was published on September 1922, within a few years, had gained a reputation as the most authoritative American review dealing with international relations. So think about that. This publication is the most authoritative American review. That's not just saying, hey, they know a lot of shit. No, people look to this right. for policy I, review. I'd be, I'd be curious to know like, if they have an archive. Like, I would be curious to read some of their past papers mm -hmm. you know, around the Korean War, Vietnam War time. Uh, I, I know that they wrote a book uh, called, um, about uh, the Gulf Wars that they called the Necessary Wars. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there, and we're yeah. not even going to scratch the surface, I guarantee you. Yeah. Because we're already almost at an hour. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> um, so, again, this is the most authoritative American review, and th this same publication is the one that is saying how devastating Russia is going to be. Not right. what they could be. It's what they're going to do. Yeah. It's what they're going to do to Ukraine and how they're going to— um, all the human rights abuses and all the shit yeah. that's going to happen. They're going to put their full force— This. Is that most authoritative review that influences and engineers? Yeah, our I mean, U.S. policy. These are the guys. I, they they probably read this shit like like stockbrokers read the Wall Street Journal and be like, mm -hmm. "Whoa, don't invest in oil from Ukraine this year. It's yeah. going to be bad." That's what it seems like. Yeah, yeah. it's like this is the go-to yeah. resource. Um, on down it says. Well, it, it says in the late 30s, the Ford Foundation and Rockefeller Foundation began contributing large amounts of money. Think about that. Uh, this is like the 30s leading up to World War II, right. post-World War I. Yep. Fords and Rockefellers, what, yeah. like cars and oil, oil. Yeah. all of a sudden start contributing large amounts of money to this, this group that shapes foreign policy. Yeah. Yeah. With obviously no conflict of interest there. Right. That all these like major corporations that have major um major reasons to invest in wars. Right, yeah. That have they both I think funded both sides of the wars at one point. Oh, and uh, yeah, I I'm pretty so. sure Ford did. And yeah. I'm pretty sure Rockefeller did too. Um but they're they're influencing mm -hmm. our foreign policy. Right, yeah. 
and they're donating large swaths of money to this group, so they are influencing the influencers yeah. with their money. So wars are influenced by money. Yes. Says these local... Uh, oh, this is great, actually. Uh, it says influential men were chosen in a number of cities and would be brought together for discussions in their own communities as well as participating in annual conferences in New York. These local committees serve to influence local leaders and shape public opinion to build support for the council's policies. So they're also yeah. infiltrating all the way down to the local level to yeah. influence and for some, their policies. And like what a couple of the... Uh the um, people on here are like uh, the mayor of New York City mm. um, and like governors of different states and stuff. It says, while also acting as useful listening posts through which the council and U.S. government could sense the mood of the country <laughs> or influence the mood of the country. Right. So the Cold War era. So that was like World War One, World War Two. It says the Cold War era. A critical study found that 502 out of 500 and two government officials, so they studied 502 government officials, and they found that more than half of them were members of this council. I believe it. It says, during the Eisenhower administration, 40% of the top U.S. foreign policy officials were CFR members. Uh, Truman, 42%. And then during Kennedy, the administration number rose to 51% and peaked at 57% of U.S. officials, foreign policy officials, under Johnson's administration. 57% of them were part of this group that is heavily influenced by the money of the yeah. oligarchs, like the oil oligarchs and yeah. the all, all the other all yeah. the other garks. And one of the names that they mentioned prominently through this article with Rockefeller is Henry Kissinger. Yes, he was one of the big pushers yeah. of all of this, and he he gets involved in a lot of the writing a lot of these foreign affairs yeah. policies. Yeah, and he is a direct member of this group. Yeah. Did did his name come up not too long ago in one of our yeah. other? Yes, his name popped up a lot in um oh gosh what was in uh, the Club of Roman. Yes, the Club of Rome. So yeah. all these groups yes. are, they are intertwined. It's insane. It says, in an anonymous piece called The Sources of Soviet Conduct that appeared in Foreign Affairs in 47, CFR study group members George Kennan coined the term containment. Remember when that, that was our whole strategy yeah. against the Soviet Union was containment, to yeah. keep them from spreading their communist yeah. Threat to so we'll, the rest of Europe and shit. Yeah. So we'll put assholes in the other countries, but as long as they don't support Russia. Yeah, and that was containment, yeah. and that was coined through CFR uh, member a, a beautiful George strategy, Kennan. George Cannon. It says the essay would prove to be highly influential in U.S. foreign policy for seven upcoming presidential administrations. Get this, though. Um, Forty years later, it says... Kennan, the author of that, explained that he never suspected Russia to have any desire to launch an attack on America. Huh. His containment strategy contained these things. I looked that up. Soviets perceived themselves to be in a state of perpetual war with capitalism. That is one of the things he said. Okay. And it says Soviets would use controllable Marxists in the capitalist world as allies. And Soviet aggression was not aligned with the views of the Russian people or with economic reality, but with historic Russian xenophobia and paranoia and blah, blah, blah. But it specifically says they're at perpetual war with capitalists. But he admits 40 years later he never thought that they were a direct threat to the United States. Right, yeah. But it seems our, really policies, counter our policies counter— Our policies for 40 years 
revolved around this containment strategy. Right. Yeah. And that includes like getting us into like Vietnam, Korea, right. yeah. um, any other Soviet right. problems yeah. that the Afghanistan, like pushing the Soviets out of Afghanistan, that was yeah. all came from this containment yeah. strategy, which is yeah. directly like from said, the CFR. Like 90% of the dictators that, you know, molested countries and killed populations were a direct result of this containment. Pro- yes. You know, so, um, CFR was also credited with helping lay the framework of thinking that led to the Marshall Plan and NATO. Oh. And the Marshall Plan was the post-World War II rebuild, and right. basically the U.S. controls everything. Right. And that, that came straight from CFR planning. That makes sense. NATO is directly from CFR planning. Huh. So so, so they have a direct stake in this, this war. Yes. With, with Russia, being the fact that they are massive supporters of NATO. Well, they're basically founders. the founders of NATO, yes. yes. Um, goes on to say the council served as a breeding point for important American policies such as mutual deterrence, arms control, and nuclear non-proliferation. So all of these policies that we've yeah. dealt with in the Cold War and ever since have come straight from yeah those think tank, this think tank, quote unquote See. think tank. And it the part problem with me isn't that hey this group gets together and comes up with these policies. That's yeah. That's fine. But when this group comes together, it's heavily influenced by money. And actually, like Rockefeller sat on as the chair of right. this group. Yeah. It's these oligarchs that are directing these policies in oh, yeah. their own financial yeah. interest. Uh, yeah. And again, you look at the list of members and all of them have overseas interests that is directly influenced, like you said, by money on these these decisions and these these policies they push forward to the president. And how many how many. U.S. soldiers have died because of the policies yeah. that directly influence wars, our foreign wars, yeah. just to specifically benefit their finances. I was going to say, how how much richer did they get for those soldiers dying? <laughs> I mean, Eisenhower warned about the industrial yeah. war complex, yeah. military complex. It was complex. probably because he it was saw probably here. Yeah. and he he was. He straight out of that too. He oh, yeah. he was part of that, but I think he's one that kind of came out of it. It's like, well, these guys are fucking nuts. Yeah. Vietnam apparently was like a dividing point for the group because okay. some of them wanted out, some of them wanted to stay longer. So this says Vietnam created a rift within the organization, and I got more to talk about Vietnam that they don't mention in here okay. with this group. But it says Vietnam created a rift within the organization. Um, says, when Hamilton Fisher-Armstrong announced in 1970 that he would be leaving the helm of foreign affairs after 45 years, new chairman David Rockefeller approached a family friend, William Bundy, to take over the position. Anti-war advocates within the council rose in protest against this appointment, claiming that Bundy's hawkish record in the State and Defense Department and the CIA precluded him from taking over as an independent journalist, or taking over an independent journal. So he has... A record in the State Department, the Defense Department, and the CIA, and he's now heading. Yeah, he's the overall guy at this independent, quote unquote, right. journal. That sounds horrible. Said some consider Bundy a war criminal for his prior actions. Damn. But can't you claim a lot of these guys? Oh, I would after say after so, yeah. hearing a lot of this stuff, yes. and how they have influenced us to go into these wars that we never should have been in, like Vietnam yeah. was directly influenced by the CFR. We should have never fucking gone there. No. Just the containment policy that put us in. Yes. I I could see just merely for their own profiting. Yeah, 
they're all fucking war criminals. Yeah. So yeah. it's no no surprise to me that they put a war criminal yeah. in charge of their publication. That's the most authoritative foreign policy publication out there. Yeah. Yeah. It says in November of 79, while chairman CF of CFR, David Rockefeller became embroiled in an international incident when he and Henry Kissinger, along with John McCloy and Rockefeller aides, persuaded Jimmy Carter through the State Department to admit the Shah of Iran uh, into the U.S. for hospital hospital treatment for lymphoma or lymphoma. This action directly precipitated in what's known as the Iran hostage crisis and placed Rockefeller under intense media scrutiny particularly from New York Times for the first time in his public life. So he was, his group, CFR, was what ultimately led to the Iran hostage situation, which I didn't know came from them admitting I didn't realize the Iran either. guy yeah. into, for hospital treatment. Yeah, I didn't re- realize that. I don't either. know a lot about it, but. I, I mean, I know that it was reason one of the reasons why Carter didn't get reelected. <laughs> yeah. But but that was the one debacle that they had that put them in negative negative outlook from everybody around. Like yeah. in negative in the public eye. So a few more things. 2019, this is most recent controversy of them. And tell me if this you think relates to what's going on to today. 2019, it was criticized, the CFR was criticized for accepting a donation from a Ukrainian-born English billionaire with close links to Vladimir Putin. <laughs> yeah, I remember reading about this one now. <laughs> and now they are yeah. speaking out so frequently on this Ukraine-Russian conflict. Yeah. And they received t- $12 million. $12 million. Uh, It says... 55 international relations scholars and Russian experts wrote a letter to the organization board and CFR's president, Richard Haas. It is our considered view that Blavatnik uses philanthropy, quote-unquote, funds obtained by and with the consent of the Kremlin at the expense of the state budget and Russian people at leading Western academic and cultural institutions to advance its access to political circles. We regard this as another step in longstanding effort for Mr. Blavatnik, who has close tie to the Kremlin and its kleptocratic network to launder his image in the West. So that's saying that this guy was influencing the Kremlin in the CFR. Right. So it makes you wonder then when they're saying how shitty Russia is. Right. Yeah. Like, like what's, what's, what's their game, what's their game plan right, here? Right, exactly. Where is that influence coming from? Yeah, I mean, are they trying to bash on Russia or are they trying to perpetuate this war that they know Russia will probably win to kind of speed right. things up for for Putin if they if they do right. have money coming in directly from the Kremlin right then how is this benefiting them right, financially exactly. because we like we said all it is is about influencing them financially well, but but look at it i mean because of the tensions that you know have have gone through the last couple of weeks I mean, there's now two independent new independent states. Yes, that probably wouldn't have happened if if we didn't keep pushing the, the buttons. Yeah, and it's like they're just pushing the right buttons, even yeah. though supposedly they're being influenced from Russia. They're still pushing that Russian button, keeping yeah. us on our on our toes over here. Yeah, thinking, hey, we got to go to war with Russia. Go to war with Russia. Well, that kind of gives if if we keep if they keep pushing this idea that Russia is this big bad 
enemy guy, yeah. then it's going to keep us on our toes like, well, we got to be preemptive in doing this. And that yeah. just gives Russia every reason to be like, what he said today, tonight, look, I'm on the defense here, right. but to defend my security, my national security, this is something that I have to do. Like, right. roll in on, you know. Yeah. I, I feel threatened, so I'm going to yeah. go on the offensive. Uh, real quick, Iran, con- or, uh, Iran hostage crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so apparently uh, it was right after the, uh, the Iranian revolution. Okay. Uh, the Shah was overthrown. And after he was overthrown, that's when he was admitted to the U.S. for cancer treatment. Iran demanded his return so he could stand trial for the crimes he was accused of. And then they invaded the embassy and and took uh, 444 uh, hostages until they received the Shah. So basically what they saw it as is we were protecting the Shah, not curing him of cancer, which is probably more than likely true. Exactly. Exactly. Like we're we're harboring this guy that they consider probably a war criminal or a human yeah. rights criminal or something. So exactly. So there's all that. What do you think so far? That's just Wikipedia. Yeah, we haven't even got into the crazy stuff, and that already makes them to me to appear oh. to be a yes. dark shadow government. Yeah. That I mean, it doesn't even say hey they they just a think tank that uh, really like discusses foreign policy. No, it specifically says that they engineer foreign policy like u.s yeah. foreign policy they they heavily influence foreign policy yeah. and the names that they list there alone is enough oh. for me to be like this is not a group of good guys right. that exactly. has our best interest yeah. it's a their lot of own them best interest cia you know experience i mean a lot of them have just really shady dealings mm-hmm. one of the things you talked about is how the group split um after vietnam mm-hmm. right so i have here the trilateral commission yeah and i i just briefly saw that they're kind of a sister organization or they it's are, the same group of people. Yes. And I was just like, you take point on that because I don't have yeah. enough brain cells. So Rockefeller started it right after Vietnam. Uh, another, uh, th- that same name popped yes. up again. Yes. And so it is a NGO. So it's like he's spreading out his eggs. Absolutely. In case Absolutely. one takes a fall, he's got another one. And, and what this was, it, it fostered closer op- uh, cooperation between Japan, Western Europe, and North America. And so it uh, created um, allies in Asia. And so the Trilateral Commission uh, was headed by an executive committee and three regional chairs, each in Europe, Asia, and North America. And they were held uh, annually at locations. They'd rotate to debate strategy on uh, growing business, investing in the area, and, and raising up independent uh, business leaders, uh, growing private enterprise and trade in that area. Again, this is one that's got a uh, lot of shady members. Uh, I had mentioned to you, uh, you know, Anthony uh, Anthony Blinken was yeah. a member. Uh, let's see here, um, uh, Mark Brzezinski, uh, President CEO of Brzezinski Strategies. Um, Mark Bloomberg, uh, Bloomberg, Mayor of New York City <laughs> yes. and CEO of Bloomberg. Uh, Steve Brunel was a partner of. Uh, anyways, um, you know, a lot of these people are are business owners. Um, um, Oh, Jimmy Carter yeah. is a member. Um, uh, the uh, head of the Homeland Security is a member. Um, I mean, Jeffrey Epstein is was a member. Was a member of the Trilateral Committee. What does yes. he have anything 
in this? Yeah. Like, how is he part of this? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that just opens up a whole new rabbit hole that I'm sure yeah. is where you started falling yeah, down. Well, exactly. Yeah, as soon as I saw that, I, I mean, Epstein's his own thing. So. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, how does he become part of that? And yeah. Like, we, we've asked, how did he become involved in the groups he became yeah. part of? Because he was... Yeah. Andrea Mitchell, NBC News, is a member of this thing. Okay. You know, um, yeah. So it's like... Uh, goes on and on and on. I mean, like I said, you could look up each one of these people and you would just be like, what the fuck? So, again, it raises concern to me when the people that are supposedly the greatest influence on yeah. foreign policy aren't former foreign policy specialists. It's uh, big time uh, corporation yeah. owners like the Rockefellers. Yeah. Uh, when it's big time media moggles like uh, Bloomberg, when it's... Uh, Politicians come out of that group, well, and not into, not the other way around. 1963, uh, Rockefeller started the Council of Americas <laughs> to for it helped uh, business groups to fight uh, the influence of Fidel Castro. Okay, uh, he built this on the request of JFK, and then in '64 uh, he created the uh, International Executive Service Corps that would help found, found business and uh, private industry in Africa. Oh wow! Yes. So and the Middle East. When was that? 1963 or wow. 1964. Wow. So, so David uh, Rockefeller, yeah, he he's all over the place, and it's it's not just influencing U.S. foreign policy. No, no, it's how to influence U.S. foreign policy in a way that puts us in that global stage because they're yeah. all about the globe. These are the the arm of the globalist agenda that yeah. we talk about all the time, yeah. like breaking down the the national barriers. I mean, they talk yeah. about this constantly. Like, let's break down some of these national barriers. And that started back with uh, the 14, whatever. Yeah, the 14 points. The 14 points. Breaking down trade barriers, breaking down international barriers, and creating basically this one world order. Yeah. They, I mean, yeah, a lot of them say these same things. Like, talk about a new world order. Yeah. Uh, the things that people say are conspiracy theories. They openly talk about it in these groups, in these circles, yeah. and these are the people that are shaping our foreign policies in all the wars. Yeah. We're talking like they shaped policy in World War One, policy in World War Two with the Marshall Plan. They shaped policy in uh, Vietnam War, getting us involved, keeping us there. Yeah. And I'm going to get into that with some of these other articles in the second half. They shaped policy in the Gulf War. Um, freaking uh, the the president or the the head chairman of it, this Haas guy was um, an advisor to Colin Powell during Iraq uh, and yeah. Afghanistan. So, I mean, they've had influence over every single yeah. war in the last 100 years. Well, and and one of these guys, I don't remember which one it was. Like I said, I looked up like the first 20 people, and one of them it was a mentor to Klaus Schwab. Really? Yeah. I did not get that far, but that yeah. that makes sense. We are due for a break. We're going to get into some of the deeper stuff, the more conspiracy-sided stuff with this. Um, and again, it's not really conspiracy theory. It's right. just the main publications don't say all this stuff about them, but it's information that you can find if you dig hard enough. Yeah. And and some of these sources are more conspiracy-leaning, and they do push it in their own direction, like, well, um, all the presidents were part of this except for Trump, and that's why they wanted to take Trump out. And it's just right, like, yeah, yeah right. I, I'm not going there with this yet. Yeah, because as we saw, Trump's daughter is was part of the uh, Club of Roman. The Club of Roman, yes. So, so, so uh, I mean, I, I'm not leaving anything yeah. off the table here. So um, I'm not going to focus on that side of it. I'm yeah. just going to focus on the things that are actual legitimate claims here yeah. that need to be studied when it comes to these organizations that want 
to run the world. Yeah. And it's not for peace and harmony in everybody's best interest. It's for financial gain for a right. small, small group of people that yeah. want to retain that power. And they have tentacles in everything, apparently, especially through the CFR. We've already mentioned all the tentacles with media, with yeah. um, with production, with yeah. war, with uh, poli- politics, yeah. everything. They yeah. have tentacles. Yeah. They got reporters. I mean, you know, um, they got uh, commentators for CNN. I mean, it's like... They're it's like a list of who's who for everyone. <laughs> it really is. And, you know, and it's rotating because there are some people that – there was one lady on here. I'm trying to remember who it was. She was one of the first ones. And it's like she had worked for um, the CIA, and then she had also worked for like a couple other businesses. And yeah. there was, was it like a foreign policy uh, consultant for Bi- um, Obama. Okay. And it's like she just kind of like went round circle. Well, that's like that guy that was with uh, Defense and then Secretary of State. Yeah. And then he was with the CIA. And then, uh, then now he's over the publication Foreign Affairs. Yeah. It's just like they just – when we talk about those people rotating in and out of yeah. um, government and private sector, and they're the people in these groups. And they specifically want – yeah. To basically get rid of the national level and instill this over-encompassing yeah. one-world government or, like, single-world entity yeah. that they have 100% dominance of. Because yeah. it's going to happen. It's got to happen. So we want to be the people that do right. it is right. basically what it comes down to. Yeah. So uh, we're going to get into break. And when we come back, we're just going to keep digging into this group, this uh, uh, Council on Foreign Relations, because... It's interesting to us. It is. And these people are shitty, shady people, so we might as well keep talking about it. Yeah. So we'll be right back. We're going to go take three or four minutes on break, and then we'll keep talking about this. We'll be right back. Have you ever thought that maybe voting, maybe all this politics constantly surrounding you is not the way to achieve freedom in your life? Hi, I'm Remster W. Martinez, and I ask myself the same question. That's why I'm on a journey to find true freedom in my lifetime. From learning about financial independence, to new ways to develop rugged individualism, to amazing guests living strange, crazy, amazing lifestyles that you've only thought might be real, but actually are. Go ahead and check out my new show, On the Run with Remster W. Martinez, at the We Are Libertarians Network. You can find On the Run with Remster W. Martinez on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. You know how the internet works. Come on down and let's discover how to achieve real freedom in your life together. Hey, everybody. I just want to take this time to give a big shout out to the very first sponsor of the Break the Bell podcast. That is Goulash Media. They can be found at goulashmedia.net. Goulash Media specializes in graphic design, web design, audio recordings, video work, wedding videos, uh, music videos, even political campaign videos. Uh, Goulash Media caters to the little guy with the big vision. You can check them out at goulashmedia.net. That's G-O-U-L-A-S-H media.net. How do we 
they always seem to get on the trail of like some globalist organization. Because I mean, this you, is, there's a lot more out there than what I thought. I know <laughs> this is what like our tenth or something I, I that we stumbled so. across, and we're yeah. just like, "Whoa, did you hear about this organization?" Yeah, yeah. And there's probably conspiracy theorists that are out there like, "Dude, that's like, that's like kid stuff." What are you yeah, talking it, right. about? Yeah, right. He's like, "Dude, I, I've known about them for years." Yeah. So, <laughs> And Justin had said in the beginning, uh, basically saying that, uh, I don't know, what did he say? Hang on, let me pull that back up. Said, uh, things aren't looking good in Russia, Ukraine. Seems likely Russia might do something regarding pro-Russian states in eastern Ukraine. And we talked about how they're rolling into those right. pro-Russian states in eastern Ukraine. And basically said, hey, uh, these are independent. Yeah. They're not yours anymore. Right. So we, we can, they, they given us our permission to roll through there, so yeah. we're going to. So, in all of this, we're not even saying that Russia's the good guy and we're, right. people are blowing this out of proportion. Yeah. What we're saying, and it seems like, especially since it's come out with that Wikipedia article that pro-Kremlin groups spent $12 million in this organization. So, they're funneling this money yeah. to these organizations that would benefit from a war with Russia. Right. Yeah, that would are now pushing us, our mentality towards war with Russia. So, right. it's like they are playing both sides again. Right. And again, this is this is a group that has the most influence over foreign yeah. policy in the United States. Right. Yeah. That is taking money from the side that we're supposedly against in this conflict. Right. And they're pushing us into this conflict. Yeah. Being the the most authoritative right. resource, yeah, publication on foreign affairs. You would think that would raise a couple red flags. Yeah, you you think, and again, it, it just sits me wrong when the people that have all this influence over foreign affairs are people that have the most to financially gain out of foreign wars, and right. it's people that can influence public and do yeah. intentionally influence public opinion of these things. And you had a yeah. You had something you wanted to read. It was one yeah. guy. I'm like, yeah. give this guy's accolades when we come yeah. back. Right. So, yeah. So this is one guy, Jamie S. Gorlick. Uh, he's a partner at Wilmer Hale, which I don't know what that is. I don't either. Um, U.S. Deputy Attorney General from 94 to 97. General Counsel of Department of Defense from 93 to 94. Defended BP after the 2010 oil spill. So we're hitting all. Yeah. On the 9-11 commission. Oh, nice. And he's currently an Amazon board member. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very nice. So so he hits all the financial things. He hits political things. Yeah. He hits um, yeah. oil. He hit, he's, he's getting money from everything. Yes. And he's also on this think tank that influences foreign policy. Right, yeah. Check this chick out. This is the last one I'll do. All right. All right. So she is uh, the CFR vice chair. Okay. Uh, CIA deputy director for intelligence from 2002 to 2005. That was for where uh, that's when GW was in office. Okay. Who was also CIA and also CFR. Right. Uh, global head of sovereign risk for the Lehman Brothers from mm. 2005 to 2008. So she jumped from Bush to Lehman Brothers mm. just in time to get that, uh, that uh, nice little tarp p- plan. Very nice. Uh, PIAB chair, which I don't know what that is, from mm. 14 to 17. And she's currently the vice president of Kissinger Associates. <laughs> of course she is. So. Who is a big player in the CFR. Exactly. That we've said. 
So I want to play this video real quick. This is because I, I say they're also the propaganda wing yeah. through the media. Yeah. Uh, because we have the big media moguls that Absolutely. are in on this. So they it says yeah. they persuade public opinion of this. Yeah. Listen to this guy who is a member of the CFR. This is at their own talking thing here. This okay. their own, because you see in the background it says Council on Foreign Relations all over their wallpaper in the background. So this is one of their like seminars. Listen okay. to what this guy has to say regarding propaganda. Here, let me, I gotta share this. So uh, I'll, you'll be the last question, but I just wanna weigh in on that for one second. So there's another word for me. Okay, there's two parts to this. There's him talking in regards to propaganda, and then there is a direct question on propaganda, and listen to how you respond to that too. So there's two parts to this. Okay. Master narratives, it's called history. Basically, every country creates their own narrative story. And, and, you know, my old job at the State Department was what people used to joke as the chief propagandist job. We haven't talked about propaganda. Propaganda, I'm not against propaganda. Every country does it, and they have to do it to their own population. And I don't necessarily think it's that awful. And this idea of a, of a, of a uh, car news cartel, I mean, I, I, I was editor of Time in 2000. Uh, 12 uh, during that election and I remember you know you're competing against cartels and everybody I remember being on a panel with the then editor of the New York Times who said it's really hard to break through these days this is the editor of the New York Times saying it's hard to break through I almost I wanted to jump off the platform like what's it like for the rest of everybody so I mean there there's no I mean there are cartels but cartels don't have hegemony like they used to so, gentleman right there. Last question. Basically, he said there, the media is a propaganda cartel, yeah. and I'm not opposed to that. And yeah. it, it's what we do. It's what, what I mean, I, I don't think it's bad to have propaganda against our own people. That's just yeah. what we do. And he's full support of this Absolutely. thing called propaganda. You'd think he'd yeah. use different— Right, a different word. Or at least defend, be like, no, it's not propaganda. What it is yeah. is whatever, persuading it, right. us towards the right direction. Right. Like influencing or whatever. Yeah. It's not propaganda, but no, he's directly is like, yeah, it is propaganda, and I don't have a problem with that. And we're yeah. all propaganda cartels. He even says, we are a cartel, yeah. and all of us are different cartels, and the, the problem is there's not the homogeny between the cartels anymore, yeah. and that, that's a problem for him. Right. But listen to this guy's question. This, this guy, That guy must have been Headley Donovan because he is a member here and former editor-in-chief of Time magazine. Yeah, it's probably, probably him. But listen, this guy is from another country. Probably Another like country, country okay. like an African, some third world country. Okay, and it's hard to understand him, but but listen to his response to this guy. Okay, I don't think you want to get into history in terms of understanding what happened in the world, because what is happening in America is what I'm, the United States flipped on the global south and in the third world, which we live with for many many years in terms of a master narrative that. Was was and still is propaganda. So he says, this agenda, this narrative, that's U.S. propaganda that's being flipped on the third world, that's being used against the third world. And yeah. I, I, you couldn't hear it because they had the volume turned down to see hear exactly what he's saying. But right. basically, you can see on his face he's pissed. Like he's yeah. shaking, his lip is shaking yeah. on this. Like he's pissed that this guy is saying, "Yeah, there's propaganda, and that's not a bad thing." And right. he's like, "No, the problem is when you flip this propaganda on us in yeah. the third world, and then we got to live with it." Yeah, and so he asked his question and listened to the guy's response. You know what? I hate last questions. 
Don't you? I never, I usually just want to end something before the last question. Um, but at any rate, I want to thank this fantastic panel here today. <laughs> he blows him off completely. No doubt. Wow. Did that and guy commit suicide with two to the back of the head? I, I don't know, but yeah, this guy's like, uh, I'm not going to answer that. Yeah. He's like, I hate last questions. I wish the thing could end. So that's, let's end it then. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it's just like, uh, that didn't go with what I was saying here. So and that made us look kind of bad. Right. But I'm not going to address that. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. That was, that but, was really but, you shitty know, to me. And, and that's the problem, though, with these groups is that they want to be globalist um, entities, right. right? They want to promote this globalist um, um, agenda. That supposedly is for the fair treatment and equity right. of all these like third world right. countries, but they don't give a shit about They the don't care about the third world countries, mm. and they don't understand the culture of the third world countries. And so because they don't understand it, they think they can force what they want on it, realizing they for don't... The, for they, the good of... The, yeah, we for know the, best for you. Right, exactly. For the good of the world, we're going to come in and save you. And when the third world countries stand up and is like, we don't freaking want that. Yeah. It's like, oh, you, you're just... Third, yeah. You don't know what you want. Yeah, right. It's, it's like we were talking with the... Uh, what was it? When we were talking about the... Um, oh, gosh. Oh, maybe it was the, uh, the, the last group, the Club of Rome, and how they want to control uh, the, the birth rates mm -hmm. in, in third world countries. And whereas those countries, it's it's customary, you know, culturally, for them to have lots and lots of kids. Mm -hmm. Well, they look at it as well; they're not educated, they're yeah. they're ignorant. So we need to hold them to the standard of having one or two. Right. I mean, it, it, that's just the way that this group looks at the world. Yeah. So, so I want to dig a little more into this group because I have other resources besides Wikipedia that looks at them a little darker than sure. even what we were talking about there, and portrays them more of this like influence of this one world sure. ordinance to financially benefit the yeah. people in control. Um, so this is from newamerican.com. It's titled, I think it's just titled Council on Foreign Relations. Yeah. <clears throat> this fair. one, uh, it starts out talking about these different presidents. It says, during his presidential campaign, Barack Obama can consistently promised Americans change. Such promises aren't new to voting public. When Jimmy Carter ran for president, he said, the people of this country know from bitter experience that we are not going to get changes merely by shifting around the same group of insiders. And top Carter aide Hamilton Jordan promised, if after the inauguration you find a Cy Vance as Secretary of State or a Zimbignew Berensky as head of national security, then I say we failed. Yet Carter selected Vance as Secretary of State and Berensky as national security advisor, the same group of insiders he had been shifted around. And there's three Brenskys on this list. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, they are all promising this change, and they just shift around. Like yeah. you were saying, they just shift them around to oh, yeah, different yeah. positions. Yeah. The same people, just different positions. Um, it says, uh, um, Carter's administration was dominated by members of the Trilateral Commission, which had been founded by Berensky and David Rockefeller. In 1980, when Ronald Reagan was campaigning against Carter, he protested. He said, I don't believe the Trilateral Commission is a conspiratorial group, but I do think its interests are devoted to international banking, uh, multinational corporations, and uh, so forth. I don't think that any administration of the U.S. government should have the top 19 positions filled by people from any one group or organization representing one viewpoint. Damn. No, no, I would go a different direction. Yet, after his election, 
Reagan picked 10 trilateralists. <laughs> 10 trilateralists for his transition team. That's funny. Including in his administration such tri- trilateralists such as VP George Bush, yep. Defense Secretary Casper Weinberger, and U.S. Trade Representative William Brock and Fed Chairman Paul Volcker. Yet the entire North American membership of the Trilateral Commission has never numbered over a hundred. So one tenth of the Trilateral Commission yeah. was on his. Yeah, after his he staff slammed there. Carter for having so many. Yeah, after his. he said, "I don't think we should have so many yeah. people from one group yeah. with one interest." But then he went and did the same thing. Yeah. So clearly, we know who the power behind the throne is. Right. There. Yeah, exactly. They're like, uh, "Yeah, right, motherfucker. We'll, yeah. we'll see." So a little background it, it talks about on. The CFR says prior prior to the CFR's founding, what Congressman Charles Lindbergh, the father of the famous aviator, called the Money Trust, a cabal of international bankers, including the House of Rockefeller, Morgan and Rothschild, conspired to create the Federal Reserve System. So first came them trying to start the Federal Reserve System. Says their agents, such as Paul Warburg and Benjamin Strong, had secretly planned the Fed at a nine day meeting at Jekyll Island. Why would you meet at Jekyll Island? That no just doubt. sounds... That sounds bad. Bad and creepy. They, they hunt people there, too? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> we don't want people to think conspiratorial of us, but we're going to have a nine-day meeting on Jekyll Island. In the hidden volcano base. <laughs> <laughs> it says, we're then put in charge of the system itself. We're then put in charge of the system itself. This gave them control of American interest rates, and by virtue of this, control of the stock market, as well as capacity to have the U.S. government spend without limit by having the Fed create money, blah, 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 the whole yeah, international banking system. We all know the horror system. story of that. It says, not just an accumulation of wealth, but a consolidation of political power was involved. The money trust had backed Woodrow Wilson, who we talked about was kind of the start of all of this in the presidential elections, and then controlled him through their frontman, Edward Mandel House, who lived in the White House. The trust recognized how the power of government could be used to advance their own interests. Wilson, surrounded by bankers, traveled to the Paris Peace Conference of 1919, which was the the convention yeah. of whatever, the Treaty CFR. Yeah. Um, the CFR was responsible for all that. We right. talked about that from the Wikipedia article, yeah. the Peace Conference. That's where it basically started the CFR right. group. Um, it says in response, or it says, which settling the aftermath of World War One. His chief proposal there, of course, was the League of Nations, a first step towards world government. However, although the League was established by the Versailles Treaty, the United States did not join because the Senate refused to ratify the treaty. In response to this rejection, the Bankers Circle, still in Paris, held a series of meetings and proposed to establish a new organization in the United States, whose purpose would be to lead America into the League. So they didn't want to be part of that world. Right. Isn't the League of Nations, like, it, it was, pre-UN? Right, yeah. It was, it was supposed to be the UN, but the United States was like, no, we're not doing that. So then they formed the CFR group. Yeah. In order to influ- influence right. the U.S. to join the League of Nations, right. to get them into right. that which that would circle. later become the UN so they joined the UN but they also created NATO yes so. it says this organization was incorporated in New York City 2 years later as the Council on Foreign Relations CFR's goal was formation was formation of an incrementally stronger world government Admiral Chester Ward former judge advocate of the US Navy was a CFR member for 16 years before resigning in disgust 
He stated the main purpose of the Council on Foreign Relations is promoting the disarmament of U.S. sovereignty and national independence and submergence into an all-powerful one-world government. Sounds like a lot of things that Donald Trump said. So right. when yeah. right. I, I think this is the news article that actually says that Trump was the one non-CFR member. Oh, and based sure. on statements like that, I kind of see where their point is because right. Trump was all like, they just want to break down uh, American sovereignty and yeah. just basically throw us into this world thing, and yeah. it weakens the United States. And that's yeah. where his nationalism, whatever perspective came from. Right. And so I could see how he's not— Well, and but unfortunately, I mean, he got all these guys pissed at him. Yeah, and who are still probably on his payroll, too. Just like Reagan <laughs> yeah, said, I'm right. not going to have these guys on my payroll. Right. And then in the end, they're on his payroll. Yeah. Says after World War II, the league's successor, the United Nations, was born. Contrary to what the public commonly is told, the UN was not founded by nations who had tired of war. The UN was conceived by a group of CFR members in the State Department calling themselves the Informal Agenda Group. Wow, that's vague. <laughs> We're just the Informal Agenda Group. Nothing it's serious. It's an informal agenda. It's not a formal agenda. <laughs> right, it's yeah, informal. Nothing serious. They drafted the original proposal for the U.N. and secured the approval of President Roosevelt, who then made establishing the U.N. his highest post-war priority. When the U.N. held its founding uh, meeting in San Francisco in 1945, 47 of the American delegates were CFR members. I, 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 there's so many times we do one of these shows, and I, I like FDR a lot worse, or mm -hmm. a lot less after each Every show. Every time we read the show. Though the U.N. was not initially set up as a world government, the intent was that it would develop into one. John Foster Dulles, who was an American delegate, he's also uh, the brother of the CIA yeah. head, and he's a very prominent guy in politics back then. It must be from Texas, because isn't that where... No, it's D.C. is Dulles Airport. Yeah. Uh, John Foster Dulles, an American delegate to the U.N. founding meeting, who later became Secretary of State under Eisenhower, acknowledged as much in his book, War or Peace. So he's a CFR, founding one of the founders. He says, The United Nations represents not a final stage in the development of world order, but only a primitive stage. Therefore, its primary task is to create conditions which will make possible a more highly developed organization. So UN's not the end all. Yeah, it's right. just a stepping stone right. to what we want, which is total world dominance. Yeah. That sounds so much better. Yes. Two other post-world... Post-war institutions, the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund, were technically created at the 1944 Bretton Woods Conference, but the initial planning was done by the CFR's Economic and Finance Group, part of their wartime War and Peace Studies project. So they also heavily influenced the Mon International Monetary Fund and the World Bank. Yeah. says the World Bank and IMF act as loan guarantee scheme for multinational banks. When a loan to a foreign country gets awry, the World Bank and IMF step in with taxpayer money, ensuring that the private banks continue to receive interest payments. Oh, my gosh. Furthermore, the World Bank and IMF dictate conditions to the countries receiving bailouts, thus giving the bankers a measure of political control over indebted nations. Holy fuck. Sounds like what uh, China did to, yeah. like— yeah, where, the where? airport in Congo. In Congo, yeah. yeah. They basically took over the airport because yeah. they couldn't... I mean, that's what the IMF is to all these like third-world countries or countries that are in debt to them. They just have all that kind of political pull now, and that was a project of this yeah. think tank, the CFR. That makes me sick. Um, it's uh, Scrolling down, I wanted to talk more about the, the Vietnam War because uh, the Wikipedia article didn't say anything about yeah. it. 
says the tragic Vietnam War was run almost entirely by CFR members. William P. Bundy of CFR drafted the Tonkin Gulf Resolution before the Tonkin Gulf incident ever took place. Oh, shit. Which now we know today that the Tonkin Gulf incident never actually happened. Yeah. It was what, like, ghost ghost subs or ghost boats right. or whatever that they, yeah. they they thought were being attacked by something that never so actually right up happened there with WMDs yeah and so they drafted the gulf of, it says drafted the Tonkin Gulf resolution before the now discredited Tonkin Gulf incident ever took place Bundy's father-in-law Dean Akeson uh who is also CFR as leader of senior team of advisors nicknamed the Wiseman, persuaded Lyndon Baines Johnson to dramatically escalate the war beginning in 1965. So a CFR member pushed him into escalating the war. Secretary of Defense Robert McNamara, CFR, helped develop the rules of engagement, which were like preventing the Air Force from attacking critical targets, yeah. that guaranteed the world's disastrous prolongation. Jeez. So it's basically saying they put us, pushed us into the war, they persuaded us to escalate the war, and then they were key players in prolonging the war for the decade or however so long that it went. I think we can all agree that these guys are the ones that killed Kennedy. Probably, <laughs> yes, because he wanted to get us out of the war. Exactly. And that was during the—remember, they, they wanted to split yeah. over the Vietnam War. Some probably were like, ah, this isn't working out for us. And right. some were like, yo, what if we stretch this yeah. out? Right. This could be a lot of money. And that's probably like, you know, Rockefeller doesn't have the balls. Let's get someone from the CIA in here. Yeah. And Kennedy was like, I think they said Kennedy was former CFR too, but he probably was one on the side of let's get out of the war. Yeah. And they're like, no, nah, you got to go. Yeah. Right. So this generated a huge slide to the left among American college students when Bundy left the State Department. David Rockefeller appointed him editor of CFR's journal C- uh, F- Foreign Affairs. So that guy that drafted the Tonkin Gulf Resolution then went on to be the editor of <laughs> Foreign Affairs. So again, we're throwing this guy who's potentially right. a war criminal as that the most authoritative journal. Says, and McNamara, one of the leading architects of the Vietnam War debacle, became president of the World Bank. <laughs> Just shifting him around. Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. Says, broadening the scheme. The CFR is not a uni- uniquely American phenomenon. Its counterpart organization throughout, it has co- counterpart organizations throughout the world, like the Royal Institute of International Affairs in England. Actually, if you look at the Wikipedia article and read more, uh, those two groups actually were one in Paris when they were forming it, but they decided to split because America was kind of isolationist at the time. Okay, gotcha. So they didn't think that they could have the group yeah. of multinational groups, so they, they formed two separate groups Okay. so they could pull shift America more to oh. a less isolationist strategy. It says, to help coordinate policy on the international scale, CFR Chairman David Rockefeller and that Brzezinski guy founded the Trilateral Commission, which we talked about. Right. It refers to the coordination of three global regions, North America, Europe, and Asia. The commission's meeting allowed the gathering together of heads of state, banks, multinational corporations, and media. Republican Senator Barry Goldwater called the commission David Rockefeller's newest cabal. He's in the business of forming yeah, cabals. He really is. It's intended to be the vehicle for multinational consolidation of the commercial and banking interests by seizing control of the political government of the United States. 
The commission, like the annual secretive meetings of the Bilderbergs and the Bohemian Grove, enables the international power elite to privately assemble and plan our destiny. So, scrolling down a little bit, Bill Clinton was a CFR member. That doesn't surprise me. Also had 12 CFR members in his cabinet, and he's the one that enacted NAFTA. Yes. Which Trump pulled us out of NAFTA, too. Yeah. Which, again, kind of shows that maybe he was against the CFR. Yeah. Says NAFTA, which was an economic alliance in Mexico and Canada, the arrangement was created by the establishment, establishment, not by American people, who did not suspect the game being played on them. Not only did NAFTA swamp us with cheap, job-destroying imports, but it was also designed to be the foundation for a, a continental economic union leading to political union. Um, so there's NAFTA. I don't want to get too much in all of these things yeah. because Are you gonna post this article? Yeah, I'll post okay. I'll okay. post these in the show notes when I release this because there's a lot of yeah. resource here. Right. So um this is a statement from Henry Kissinger, who he said it has a very active role in this. Yeah. It says, um, the president elect is coming so this is when uh this is when Obama was coming into play. So it says Obama had only been president for a little over two months when he traveled to Europe for a series of meetings with European uh, European leaders. He attended the G20 summit, which ended with a tentative agreement to launch a new global financial system using as the rationale for his major step towards global government, the recent Fed and government spawned financial meltdown. Henry Kissinger, foreign policy mouthpiece of the establishment for four decades, wrote an article on January 12, in 2009, issue of International Herald Tribune, entitled The Chance for a New World Order. I mean, yeah. you say it's a conspiracy <laughs> right. theory, but these people come out and say yeah, it. and they're writing books about it. <laughs> that, it's not just him. Yeah. Like, Bush, G.W. Bush came out and was like, it's time for the New World yeah. Order. Yeah. And he wrote this <laughs> article saying, entitled when obama took over yeah. entitled the chance for a new world order yeah it says as the u.s administration prepares to take office uh, amid grave financial and international crises it may seem counterintuitive to argue that the very unsettled nature of international systems generates a unique opportunity for creative diplomacy goes on to say um the president-elect is coming into office at a moment where there is upheaval in many parts of the world sim- simultaneously. His task will be to develop an overall strategy for America in this period when, really, a new world order can be created. It's a great opportunity. It isn't just a crisis. <laughs> so he basically said, never let a good crisis yeah. go to waste. Right, yeah. This is a great opportunity to bring on a new world order. He's said yeah. it right out of his mouth. Yeah says, past statements reveal that the establishment wants a single currency for the world, just as the EU has consolidated the currencies to the euro. As far back as 44, Bretton Woods Conference, John Mater Keynes, Keynes proposed a world currency he dubbed Bancor. So that just gets in a whole bunch of stuff with the monetary policy and the CFR and all this stuff. So it goes on and on and on, and all the way through Obama, and it's... Now Biden is in on this yeah. shit too. Obama 2.0. Yeah. And there was I, I got to find it. There was Let me find Obama's or not Obama's Biden's statement. I think it's in the next article. It's from the 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 New American 2, but it talks about Oh, here it is. So this was an article from Biden penned 
1992. It was an op-ed for the Wall Street Journal. It is titled, How I Learned to Love the New World Order. <laughs> that was Biden. Wrote that in 1992. It sounds like something he'd write. Right about the same time that G.W. Bush was talking about the New World Order. It says, um, besides the title, another big tell in Biden's op-ed was his proposal to breathe life into the U.N. Charter by, among other things, providing it with permanent military forces. So that was that was Biden back then in 92. He yeah. was definitely a... Uh, an institutionalist. He was definitely yeah. on board with this oh, uh, yeah. international global agenda. Yeah. And so when we come out and talk about the Great Reset, we talk about Build Back Better and how yeah. these are globalist agendas, and you can say all you want. Oh, it's just conspiracy theory, throwing Biden on this in this lump. He was on board with this oh, New yeah. World Order agenda yeah. for 35 years oh, now. I believe it. I mean... So... <laughs> What do you think? What do you think of all this? Uh, it's insane. I mean, I gotta, I gotta find the rest of the stuff from this article because there's a little more on this. So this one calls them the most influential think tank in America, if not the entire world. So we got that. It says it's the public face, the brain trust, and the central nervous system of what criti critics refer to as the deep state. So I don't necessarily think the CFR is the deep state. No. I think it's like. Like like it says, it's the face. It's the public face. It's yeah. what we see. It's what right. It's the arm that influences. Right. Yeah. It's the influential arm, whether that be politics, whether that be foreign affairs, or whether that be public. Right. Public uh, opinion. Propaganda, yeah. They they are the influence of the deep state. Right. And yes, they they are ran by deep state players. Like I don't even like saying deep state because it yeah, reminds I me know. of Alex I, Jones. I, yeah, but I know. these uh. I, I don't know what to call them, but yeah. the Moguls, like the right. Rockefellers. The elitist. And the elitist, yeah. The Blue Bloods. So this one goes on to say, in April 1945, just before, just days before the end of World War II, Secretary of State uh, journeyed to Pratt House, the CFR's headquarters in New York City. He had come, he said, to bear witness as every Secretary of State during the past quarter of a century to the great service and influence of this organization in spreading knowledge and understanding of the issues of the United States on foreign policy. Every Secretary of State since has continued this tradition. So every Secretary of State go goes back to them. Kiss the ring. Yeah, and says, thank you for your influence yeah. and knowledge and understanding of the Issues of the United States. That's insane. So they dropped to their knees and kissed the ring. Yes, they do. And listen, I've got Hillary Clinton doing exactly this. Listen to what she says about the CFR. <laughs> oh, thank you very much, um, Richard. And I am delighted to be here in these new headquarters. Um, I have been often to, uh, I guess, the mothership in New York City. Uh, but it's good to have an outpost of the council right here down the street from the State Department. Uh, we get a lot of advice from the council, so this will mean I won't have as far to go to uh, be told uh, what we should be doing and uh, how uh, we should uh, think about the future. I mean, so it's basically, I don't have to go as far to get standing orders from you. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't have to travel as far to be told what to do is yeah. exactly or how what we she should just think said. about things. That that's scary. That yeah, that, that, that kiss, kind of influence. Yeah, they they kiss ass that much, yeah. that 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 strongly, and then here's Joe Biden at one of these th these 
seminars for the Council on Foreign Relations. Is this as president or VP? Um, I'm not sure when this came out. I think it's it says five days ago. I don't know if this actually took place that recently or if this was just posted sure. five gotcha. days. So I it doesn't say exactly when this happened, but <laughs> either way, it doesn't matter. Listen, right. listen to this guy. Is uh, another article in the uh, in the magazine. Uh, Hang on. Probably the sub. Hang on. Sorry, I got I got to get. There. The subject though today is uh, another article in the uh, in the magazine. Uh, I probably should introduce myself to people. Everybody. Uh, my name is Richard Haas. By the way, uh, I work here at the Council on Foreign Relations. And uh, I work for Richard. <laughs> Did you hear what he said? He works for Richard. Damn. <laughs> I get that it's a joke, but it's probably a joke that the is, leader of the free yeah. world shouldn't make when there are yeah. clearly enough conspiracy theories around there that right. says this group yeah. runs the country yeah. on foreign there, relations. There was a little blurb at the beginning of the, the clip. Could you go back to it? Uh, yeah. It said something about right says, there. Former VP Joe Biden tells Deep State HQ Council on Foreign Relations he works for globalist CFR boss Richard so Haas. This is before he became president. It must be, yeah. yeah. So, But still, either yeah, way. Yeah, right. He was vice president. These people have to know that the conspiracy theories yeah. are out there. Right, yeah. And when they just like joke about it, it just they're they're fueling the fire, first of all. Yeah, and second right. of all, it's like they don't give a shit what people think. Yeah. It's like when that guy's like, I, I know that you see us as propagandists and I, I, don't, I don't care. care. Right, right. <laughs> we are. Yeah. We absolutely are propagandists. Yeah. And it's our job and we don't see a problem with that. Um yeah. we know better than you know, so yeah, I, I would like to know what the the reporter from Africa that asked that question. I'd like to know who he is and what his background or is. or what his response was after well, that. that. And is he still around? <laughs> right, that's true too. Um, there's another part in that American one. After the whole part about the secretaries of state, I want to read a little more on that. So it says. Uh, because we're just getting insight on this group. Right. I right. mean, we're not making too many conclusions. I mean, no. we're making plenty of conclusions. Yeah, but we're right. just trying to gather we're some We're giving insight. you information for you to come with your own conclusions. What the people are saying, what they say about yeah. themselves, right. what people like Joe Biden say about them yeah. or Hillary. Like, what do you think the point is? Like, why do you think every secretary of state has to go back and kiss their ass like right. that? Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I, yeah. I mean, yes, I, I realize they are probably part of that to begin with. But yeah. it just says... Who runs the show when yeah. they have to go back to that, traditionally go back and be yeah. like, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for your influence and yeah. your wisdom. And yeah. And and it's sickening. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've had two high level government officials. One of them said, well, I work for him. And and another one saying, well, it, it tells us what to do or how we should think about things. Yes. Says a description by another council member, author, journalist Richard Rover, conveys a more ominous and telling image. The directors of the Council of Foreign Relations, he said, make up a sort of presidium for that part of the establishment that guides our destiny as a nation. Damn. So it's not, hey, oh, we're just thinking of think the direction we need to go. It's, hey, we are directing the destiny of our nation. Right. Like we talked about how they engineer. Foreign policy. They're right. the. They're not the. The ideas behind it. They directly engineer it. Yeah. They are uh, the guides of our destiny. And right. it's just <laughs> like you said, straight down to the planning, the the um, carrying out, and the propaganda parts right. of it. So like how psycho do you got to be to feel like you have have that kind of power? Right. Yeah. To control the destiny of 
country. Our country. The, the, the not superpower. Only, not even our country. Right. It's like all the countries. Well, yeah, because our country countries, controls yes. all the countries, and yes. they control our country. Yeah. Says his choice of word, presidium, was apropos. He obviously was comparing it to the murderous, unelected, and unaccountable gang of criminals that ran the Soviet Union and still runs communist dictatorships such as China and North Korea. I've never heard that term, but apparently it's ominous enough for them. <sighs> Says, such a body guides our destiny as a nation should be a truly chilling thought for every American. However, Rovere appears to have offered the evaluation as a compliment to his fellow members, not as a condemnation, thus reinforcing the perception gained from decades of observing the CFR elite hobnobbing with communist elite that the Pratt House princelings are far, far more comfortable with communist absolutism than with constitutionally limited government. So you see the direction they're taking here. Yeah. Says those familiar with the true history of the Council on Foreign Relations know full well that its 100-year history is, uh, is a sordid record of treachery, treason, subversion, and betrayal. That is a serious charge, but it is not hyperbole, as we will show within the limits of this short survey. The history of the CFR is a chronicle of a century-long war against national sovereignty in an unremitting effort to build an all-powerful world government, which CFR globalists have frequently referred to as their new world order. There's pretty damning charges there. Yes. So towards the end, um, oh, that's when it talks about uh, Joe Biden saying, oh, okay, talking about how he loves the new world order. But it says it's worth noting the timing of his article. Recall that it was published the same time frame that then-President George H.W. Bush was repeatedly invoking the New World Order in televised speeches and sending massive U.S. military forces to war in Iraq for the purpose, he said, of helping bring about a United Nations that performs in an, as envisioned by its founders. We'll return to this later on, it says. It says, so Joe Biden was one of the prominent globalist Democrats chosen to reinforce globalist Republican George uh, Bush's NWO message. In truth, both Biden and Bush, like thousands of other Democrats and Republicans, wear their party labels to disguise the fact that they are actually members of a CFR-directed duopoly, a globalist uniparty. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we said so much that it does, the, the parties don't freaking right. matter. They yeah. all want the same thing. Right. They all push for the same thing. In the end, yeah. it's just... You know, and domination they, they, they of you distract you at these these social issues, right? right. You know, um, you know, gay marriage, um, you know, transgenderism, um, abortion, uh, you know, what have you. Where their focus is on the bigger piece of the pie, yeah. Where all that stuff doesn't matter to them. Sure. So these guys had. We talked about Vietnam. We talked about World War Two. Um, they've had their opinions on even the most recent Iraq war. Mm-hmm. Um, this article from 2002 says that this is uh, Les Gelb, the president of the Council on Foreign Relations in 2002. He was saying that it's unlikely by March, unless it, Saddam Hussein is first overthrown. It's basically saying that, that people aren't getting on board with this. He says he's surprised by the degree of opposition in the United States to an invasion of Iraq. Um, says 80 to 90 percent of the audience members were against an invasion, which he says is likely by March unless Saddam Hussein is first overthrown through a coup. 
To get public on its side, Gelb said it was imperative for Bush administration to provide a smoking gun, conclusive evidence that Saddam has weapons of mass destruction. So he just throws that out there. He's like, yeah. nobody's on, 80, 90% of the people aren't on board with this. So in order for this to happen, we have to have the smoking gun, which supposedly they got the smoking gun, which ended up being false. Kind of, right. this is just Again, complete, from the British... The br- backing up of the British intelligence. Yeah, which, same thing with Ukraine. Yeah, which turned out to be blatantly right. false. Which w- makes you wonder how many of these false flags now, um, in twenty twenty two with Russia, yeah. are turning are going to turn out in thirty years from now to be complete fabrications, like yeah. the Gulf of Tonkin, right. which was direct directly from the CFR, what like the smoking gun of WMDs, which yeah. turned out to be blatantly false, coming Probably from the from mouth CFR. of the CFR. Yeah. It was like they were telling him, you yeah. know what you got to do. It's, yeah. It was almost like he, they were directing him through this public um, yeah. uh, publication here. Right. It's just like, you got to get the smoking gun. Yeah. I can't say it enough. You have to have a uh, smoking gun. I think I'm going to start reading the CFR like on a regular basis because... <laughs> you got to. I yeah, mean, we, we right. got to check up on it, just see yeah. where they're going. Just go to that... That publication there, the yeah. Foreign Affairs publication, I'm sure you can find yeah. all this stuff. And so um, I, I, I'm sure I got plenty of other stuff to t- that I can talk about, but we are running out of time on this. But I guess I just wanted to circle back to what we were talking about. It's like the ones calling the shots that have all this heavy influence over all our foreign affairs that direct the perception of war, not only the wars, but also the perception of wars. Right, right. It's like they're the marketing campaign for foreign affairs in yeah. here. It's like uh, we got to start this this giant marketing strategy, and the, what we're marketing is this war here. Yeah. But and this is how you need to do it. You need to place your your bets here and, and here, yeah, right, right. and people need to see it in this light. Yeah. And so you got to get their perception yeah. over here. So we're gonna we're gonna focus some media resources yeah. over in this area. We're gonna focus some military efforts over in this yeah. area, and we're gonna publish this. This authoritative journal yeah. that says yeah. all these things, right? And yeah. all everything comes full swing for them, yeah. and and, who, and they don't care. You know, the lives lost. They don't care who wins or who loses. It's how they can spin it. So and the, they still get what they want. Yeah, it's dollars and cents. Yeah, and I'm sure, and and it breaks down borders, right? And creates more of a a uniform government, right? All the way across, right? <coughs> Excuse me. What are the odds that Dick Cheney was a CFR member? Oh, I'm going to say 100%. Look that up. Look up if Dick Cheney was a member of the CFR. So there, there's one point. There's one article. Let me see if I can find it. But it basically says that the CFR is the, the promotional arm of the deep state, like we said. Yes. Let me find this article. Hang on. Where'd it go? I'm losing my place. So this one says the CFR is a promotional arm of the ruling elite in the United States. It's the most influential politician, academics, and media personalities are members and uses its influence to inf- infiltrate the new order into American life. Its experts write scholarly pieces to be used in decision-making. The academics expound on the wisdom of the united world, and the media members disseminate the message. Um, the, the final thing I wanted to mention on this one is, let me get to it. 
I had a lot of information that we clearly didn't get to all of. I was going to say, there's there's a lot. Hang on. Where'd it go? Anyway, it basically says that... Uh, basically says that um, they're, they say, they claim they are not affiliated with any... With the government. They're not a, a government affiliate. Okay. So they're, they're uh, nonpartisan, they're nonprofit, they're non-affiliate of the government. But this article says, no, they're not an affiliate of the government. They are the fucking government. When right. when the majority of the cabinet comes out of the CFR, when the majority of the presidents come out of the CFR, they are the fucking government at yeah. this point. They are, they are pawns of the CFR that are being placed in these positions. It says... Um, the CFR states it is host to many views and advocates of none. That's bullshit. Yeah, right. And it has no affiliation with the U.S. government. No, no affiliation at all. If you don't count, a council member was elected president of the United States. Dozens of other council colleagues were called to serve in its cabinet and the sub-cabinet positions as they describe it in foreign affairs, along with many c members of Congress, the Supreme Court, the Joint Chief of Staffs, the Federal Reserve, and many other federal bureaucrats. But no. No, they're not an affiliate of the government. Right. Yeah. That, to me, says that they're bragging. They're not saying, hey, we're not affiliate of the government. But they're basically saying, the government's an affiliate of us. Right, yes. Like, we control the government, not the other way around. Did you find that or no? He He's not listed. Okay. Well, he's probably. But, but H.B., um, or George H.B. Bush was not listed as well. So I'm not sure how accurate I, that is. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm just saying the things I read. So, um, like I said, when... When they claim to not be an affiliate of the government, I feel like they're more saying that the government is ran by them, not right. the other yeah. way around. Right. So circling back to Russia, when you get, like I said, like they call, like Wikipedia calls them the most authoritative American review, when you get them saying things like Russia, shock and awe, and yeah. why Mos Moscow would use overwhelming force against Ukraine, these are the same people that wrote the Gulf of Tonkin Resolve. Yep. They're the ones that said we need a smoking gun in Iraq. You think they might want us to push us into this debacle with Russia just a little bit? Yes, I believe so. When all their headlines, like I said, were primarily focused on Putin and how bad and scary he was? Yeah. Yes, he probably is bad and scary, but... Yeah, after getting money. These guys don't seem to be like, hey, let's go at this from a diplomatic sense. They seem yeah. like, hey, we got to go to war. Because these are all the war conglomerates that are proponents of globalism, that are proponents of um, financial control over everything, they want the ultimate war. Because, I mean, they started from the ultimate wars. World War One, World War Two was the creation of them. So might as well end it off like full circle back with World War Three. Yeah, absolutely. You look like you got something there. Oh, I was trying to figure out how many members of the council were on uh, Bush's uh, and I don't find one, but here is a, a whole uh, little article from George W. Bush where he's kissing their ass. So Okay, so yes. everybody kisses their ass. Yes. So did we find did we find the the cabal, the did we find the deep state here with this, do you think? Or just no, another I, arm of it? I, I think it's just another arm of it. I mean 
look at the different you know little secret societies that we've talked about, like you said. But it's it, all, like it always like, overlaps. Well, like, it there's does. so much yeah. overlap. It, in all there of is. It. It's got like a rotating membership. Yeah. Right. So I mean, it just you know again, there's there's all these different organizations, and they all have the same plan. Right. Yeah. They all want one world government. They right. all want. You know, to sit in their global ivory dominance. towers, right? Yeah. Global war uh, dominance. They get, they want Rome with the parks while we sit up in our little high rise, yeah, condos, whatever, eating mealworms. <laughs> I mean, but that's that's again, all these organizations. Basically, it comes down to one thing: they want the money, they want the power, they want the control, and all the resources, and all the resources, because the resources are the power and the control and the money, right? So th- maybe this is just the American branch, you know. Uh, my mom says she read Dick Cheney was the former director of the CFR. Oh, okay. So that would make well, tons could, and tons and tons of It would tons not surprise sense. me. W- would not at all, because he was the yes. orchestrator of well, yeah. the Iraq War. And Halliburton, you know, yeah. getting all so, kinds of So, I mean, he, he sits right up there with all of that yes. stuff. So I, I'm curious to see where this goes, and I'm going to keep reading, like, keep an eye on this uh, foreign affairs publication here as oh, this Russia too. stuff progresses yeah. because they seem to be less on the side of diplomacy and more on the side of um let's let, let's go fight these yeah. these guys on this because no, I agree. that I mean that's the direction they've taken on all of this and what what do you think will be the smoking gun for Russia what do you think do you have any predictions that they'll come out all of a sudden they'll come out with an article and it'll just be like I don't know Putin Gases, that's Ukrainians, probably, yeah, and probably you know they find a uh, a camp in, in Ukraine of people that are are put to yes death or with something like that. I'm sure it's always it's always human rights issues anymore. So, all of this to say, I don't think we should be taking foreign affair advice from the people that financially benefit no. the most from foreign wars. It's a horrible idea, and the people that may have made it very clear. That they don't really care about borders and shit. They just want yeah. free trade because who benefits most from free trade and free and like one world trade and all that stuff is those people that own all those businesses. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. St- we gotta. I mean, it's never gonna happen, but we gotta stop taking nope. freaking advice. War advice. Between eighty-seven and eighty-nine, during his last term in Congress, Cheney served on the board of Council on Re- Foreign Relations. There you go. So it's true. Yeah. We we've we've. Yep. Established that <laughs> he he just seemed like a CFR type guy. No, I agree. It's just interesting that in all the lists that he was in, in that list. So. Huh. Well, they got to keep some secretive. They they got to make us look for it, I guess. Because yes. I, I found it really hard to actually find information on this group. This is, yeah. a, this is one of those groups that, like, you're not allowed to talk about what goes on behind right, it's these. It's like Fight Club. Yeah. Being, yeah. <laughs> what, what happens in Fight Club. Yeah. Yeah. Basically... But, and again, yeah, it, you'll get kicked out of this group if you divulge. Like, I'm why sure is it that, that secretive? <laughs> why is it if, if you're like trying to actually come up with good policies for this? Yeah. Why does it matter that it's that secretive? The yeah. things you talk about behind well, these closed doors. I, again, this is a group I can see them again meeting at Jekyll Island. Yes, and hunting people. <laughs> Probably <laughs> most dangerous game. Right. These people that think they're better than the people they're yeah. hunting. So. Yeah, that, that, that'll probably happen next. Yeah. We do need to get out of here. Final thoughts on this organization. It, it pisses me off. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, when you, when you, you know, we just did this, this like very quick 
trip down American history yeah. for the last hundred years and just watched how, you know, I mean, this group has influenced foreign policy, has influenced wars, military conflicts. And it makes it go back to, you know, I, was it uh, the, the Club of Roman that we read mm-hmm. where they said that they were they wanted to use the United States as kind of like a the military bully, you know, to yeah. kind of make sure that countries stay in line. Yeah. And um, and that's, you know, kind of what I get out of this as well, is right. that it's like we want a world one world, one world order. And we'll use the United States to kick people in line if they get out of line. Yeah, and I'm that'll probably shift here in the near future. If oh yeah, I'm sure. The U.S. has kind of been, I think, strategically castrated. Right, which I feel like we have been. It's like use the U.S. to dominate the world, and then castrate yeah. the U.S. to because we're the final yeah card because we're the ones that gained all this domination. Right. Yeah. And so then we got to be knocked down a peg. And I think yeah. we're in the stage now of being knocked down a peg. I think pegs, so. And so. maybe that's what this this thing with Russia is. You know, maybe that's why they put, you know, impotent Biden in place because they know that we'll look weaker because yeah. of him. You know, we are not going to pick fights. You right. know, we're going to we're going to take our licks. And if we do, we're going to botch it miserably the oh, way we did gosh. with the pullout of Afghanistan. Absolutely. So yeah. So and that in the thought of that scares the hell out of me right right the thought of any war that with yeah. russia yeah scares oh, the hell absolutely out of me. yeah because i mean i'd rather just see putin biden go at it yeah just <laughs> bare knuckles whoever exactly. wins comes take off the their top. shirts throw them in a, a pit and let them finish it up there you go we got to get out of here this this has been an interesting one like i said yeah, i it has I had no intention of going down a rabbit hole today. i mean do you think it's legit Everything we read, do you? I, mean, I think a lot of it is, and so it all too. makes sense. It does. And the names and the players that we know already have yeah. globalist agendas, and yeah. it doesn't surprise me that they would form this group yeah. to push us towards these wars, which we've predicted forever. Yeah, that there, are, <laughs> all these wars come from uh, these corporations that financially benefit. Like yeah. I, I predicted that for a long time through other reading, but this kind of puts a face on that which is this CFR organization and that says, hey, these people actually are the ones influencing right. uh, foreign affairs well, throughout yeah. the world. And those those clips of Hillary and, and Biden kissing, kissing ass. their ass, yeah. and then when I stumbled across Bush kissing their ass, yeah, it's, it's, it, it just kind of confirms that to right. me. Right. So, and um, then every Secretary of State for 100 years yeah. kissing their ass. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's gross. So one look, group we'll have to look up at some point is uh, the Aspen Strategy Group. Oh, God, you're starting us down another one already? Yeah, because it seems like almost— We don't even finish one off, and you're starting us down another. It, it, almost every person on this list has served on the board of the Aspen Strategy Group. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to take a look into that. Or if you guys know anything about that, or if you guys have heard anything about this Council on Foreign Relations, yeah, let us know. Because I legitimately was just like, oh, it's just this group that probably is a yeah. bunch of like former military yeah. strategists that come up with these publications. Yeah. No, it's the other way around. Yeah. It's these people— that have these interests that are like, let's push foreign yeah. strategy to benefit us yeah. and to benefit our global aspirations. Yeah. Let's let's engineer foreign yeah. policy and yeah. also the public perception of that. Yeah. Rockefeller's coming like, hey, guys, uh, gas prices are slumping. Can we hit the Middle East again? Yeah. Oh, yeah, let's do it right away. Yeah. We got to have a smoking gun, though. Oh, I'm sure they'll find something. <laughs> We got to get out of here for this week. This has been a fun one, I think. Yeah, it's I always fun journeying down a rabbit hole, especially when yeah. it secret organizations are always fun. Yeah, especially when it ties with all the other stuff. It, does, it somehow yeah. connects and another somehow, dot. 
they all tie together for some reason. And it's just like there's another yeah. another dot to yeah. to connect. So um, make sure you check us out all over social media. If you know anything about this organization, uh, hit us up in the comments or hit us up on social media. You can. We have a Facebook forum, which is called the Breaking the Bell Forum. It used to be the Break the Bell Forum, but that got shut down. So for the time being, it's the Breaking the Bell Forum. And you can uh, hit us up with any comments, any information. Or you can hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, wherever else we are on social We're media. Everywhere. Like and share this, subscribe, all that fun stuff, because that's how we get this information out there. And we like getting this information out Absolutely. there. So um, have a great rest of your week. We will catch you this time next week. Same as always, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Otherwise, we will be doing the weekend wrap-up this week. Yes. Which is where we wrap up the week. Absolutely. Have a great rest of your week. We'll catch you next time. Goodbye. The Break the Bell podcast is brought to you by you. So pat yourself on the back because without you, we would be talking to ourselves. A special thanks to our Patreon members, Justin Zielinski, Remzo Martinez, Stephanie Parker, and T.O. Jacobson. A shout-out to our sponsors, Run Your Mouth Coffee, the On The Run Podcast, and Goulash Media. If you'd like to help support us, visit patreon.com slash breakthebell or buy our garbage at breakthebell.bigcartel.com. Get back here next week and let us continue to invade your ear holes. And as always, never stop talking.